Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with fire up. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine, I've been on fire with Sally Field, gone fast with a girl named Bo. But somehow they just don't end up as mine. It's a death-defying life I lead. I take my chances. I die for living in the movies and TV. But the hardest thing I ever do is watch my leading ladies kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee. I might fall from a tall building. I've never spent much time in school But I told ladies plenty It's true I hire my body out for pay Hey, hey I've gotten burned over Cheryl Teague's Blown up for Rocky Welch But when I wind up in the hay It's only hay Beautifully done. Good evening, dear listener. This is Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. A lot of faffing around going on in the studio because, as always, James Well has left it in an absolute pigsty. I'm joined by Matt. Hey, good evening, Matt. Oh, just as you're about to take a sip of water. Sorry. No, it's fine. I've, I've sipped. I've gulped. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Are you ready. sipped and supped? Ready? I'm, I'm ready. I'm... Um, if you want to call in and speak to Matt, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I've warned him, and I, I can see Caddick's lined up, which is going to be a, um, a shock for everybody's system. Um, for those who don't know, Matt is an author. Um, let's pick. Well, okay, um, the humans. Yeah, you wrote that was you. That was me. That wouldn't, was a book I wrote. Wouldn't it be awful if I said one that you hadn't written? <laughs> yes. but I was convinced <laughs> yes. that you had. The curious incident of a dog in the night. <laughs> oh, um, the uh, hundred-year-old man. Who, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, the boy. I always get the two confused. A boy called Christmas. Yes. That was last year's. Yes. This year's it's a girl. The girl who saved, saved Christmas. Christmas. Indeed, Ian. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and and also a lot of you will know because we've talked about it a lot. Reasons to stay uh, stay alive. Mm. Are you bored of talking about depression? No. Wow. We can do a whole interview without the D word. It's weird. I've got a very uh, eclectic sort of career going on. Yeah. It's a bit strange. There's two kind of careers. Well, there's three careers going on. Yeah. There's kind of the adult books. And I say put adult in inverted commas because, you know, the humans, I, I think, yeah. I think can fit into both categories. There's the, the um, how do we describe reasons to stay alive? I don't want to say self-help because it's not, it's not, there's no... Well, it's a bit, it's a little bit of memoir, a little bit of self-help, a little bit of something in between. But yes, it's a book about me when I was in my 20s having um, depression and getting over that. And then there's things like A Boy Called Christmas, which I don't want to say kids books because, well, well, I don't know. I'm making a pig's ear of this. What what the hell? Where would I find this book in? What Under what genre? Well, it is, it is I suppose, technically a children's book. Because yeah. if you're writing a book about Father Christmas as a boy, yeah. It, you know, it's seen by the publishers as a children's book. But 
pretty much all my books I just write for myself. Yeah. I'm a 41-year-old man, and I just write it for me. So it's for me, but it's also, you know, for I guess I guess you could say it's a children's book in the same way that Harry Potter is a children's book, in that um, adults can sneak off and read it yeah. and, and enjoy it. We uh, the boy called Christmas. Boy called Christmas was 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 our Christmas read last year bedtime. And I, my boys who uh, have recorded some very tough questions for you, <laughs> Matt, they're going to destroy oh, really? you. Yes, okay, I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> they're going to be seven and five next year. But um, last year we read a boy called Christmas, and it was just, it's brilliant. It's like a proper old fashioned kids book in the. It's, yeah, it's charming and there's magic and stuff, but also it's it's really dark, just the right amount of dark for it to be quite scary. Yeah, I don't know what... I, I mean, I, even when I'm trying to write the happiest story in the world, <laughs> it just gets in. <laughs> Some death or misery comes in, but yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, even if kids are reading I think kids can take it. I think, yeah. I think if, if you're trying to write a book that's, like, hopeful and positive about the world, there's no point everything being just all right and 100%. Because if, if a child is going through a bad time, and parents are getting divorced, or they're having a tough time at school or whatever, then I think... Um, Having, you know, they want to, they don't want to see, read about or watch about everything being perfect. Yeah. They want a little bit of um, grit and a little bit of, oh, they've survived that, so I can survive that. So, yeah. And also, being scared is fun. We yeah. watched um, Labyrinth for the first oh, time yeah. the other week. I'd never seen it before. Have you seen it? Yeah, David Bowie. Yeah. David Bowie's trousers, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be the star. And there's a really, there's quite a frightening scene really early on where the girl's in the, in the bedroom and all the trolls sort of just disappear out of sight. And my youngest was terrified, and it was proper pushing his head on my chest, saying, I don't want to look, I don't want to look. <laughs> and I said, well, look, if you want me to turn this off, yeah. I'll turn it off. He went, oh, no, no, yeah. I like this. Yeah. But he couldn't watch it. Yeah. He said, tell me when this bit's over. And they loved it. And kids yeah, they want, love being scared. They want, yeah, there's a great uh, Neil Gaiman quote about how we want to believe... We want to believe in monsters because we want to know we can beat monsters. You know, so, it, it, you know, kids, kids, I think you, as a, if you're writing for children, I think you owe it to have a certain responsibility. But I think you can go as dark as you want, so long as you round it up in a way that's sort of yeah. not too disturbing. Yeah. Um, and the Roald Dahl books are yeah, totally. horrible, man. Totally. And he doesn't even always round it up that well. I, mean, <laughs> I, think, I think it's the witches where he, uh, the main kid, I forget the name, he ends up turns into a mouse. He doesn't turn back. He Brilliant. stays a mouse. Yeah. There should be more of that. We want more jeopardy yeah. in um, in uh, kids. You've got, you've got um, kids. They, they must be climbing trees and doing all those kind of things that we're told kids don't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, they... they... We we live in Brighton now. Are there no trees in Brighton? There there are trees in Brighton, but the park, the park nearest us is a little bit. There's a few sort of unsavoury characters. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to be a bit careful. Well, yes, but <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Do you want to? Do you want to speak to Alan Caddick? Oh, I'd love to. Put your headphones on. Okay. You, 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 and um, uh, that's yeah. what I'm here for. Yes, uh, Alan. Oh, hang on a minute, Alan. What kind of cake? Lemon drizzle. Christmas cake. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you hear him? You... I can. I'm, sorry, I'm ashamed. I've got a bit of a query about the periscope. We've got sound but no vision. Well, I can, no, the picture. I can't help you with that, Alan. I'm a little bit busy <laughs> doing a radio show. So I'll ask you on behalf of everyone who said there's no vision. Well, I can see it. Well, there's a black screen. Well, there's, I can see. Well, you just have to listen. Okay, just listen, guys. I tried. Uh, Alan, 
My name is Tony Mustafa. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, have, you, have, you, have you ever read a book, Alan? Yes, I have. Which one? I've read loads of autobiographies. I'm still waiting to see your autobiography. Well, let's just say I wrote three chapters, Matt, of did an autobiography. You? Yes, I did. And it was taken to um, several publishers. None of them were interested in it. None of them were interested in it. And uh, so it, it looks like, Alan, um, if you just give me uh, your phone number off air, I'll phone you up and tell you the story. No, I'm not willing for that one. OK. No, it's true. No one was interested. You need to just be persistent with publishers. Really? I, I was rejected about 25 times for my first book, and I just kept on going. Yeah. About. It's a little, but it, it, I mean, I, you know, it's a great scheme of thing. I'm all right because I'm doing this. But it, it, even I found it upsetting that no one. No. They went, no, we don't like it. We don't like it. Yeah, they don't always know what's good for them. Though, How do you cope with? I mean, you're in, in a position now, I imagine, where your your next books are always eagerly anticipated by the publishers. But starting on, how do you cope with the the knockbacks? Uh, well, you still get knockbacks because they're always sort of touting out for new things. You get rejected. Um, yeah, I, I, I used. To, I used to actually be, because well, I started off really younger, um, in my 20s, and I was remarkably thick-skinned and determined yeah. and stubborn. Um, but now I think I'd be really bad at it. I think, I, I think I'm a bit too uh, sensitive. Because I, I, even, like, if I get a slightly bad review, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm not very... Adam, have you ever considered writing a book? I have, actually. Oh, yeah, what about? It was a spoof James Bond adventure. It, a James Bond adventure? A spoof yeah, one. A spoof. I see. And what would what would um, what would happen in that? The title would be called "Do Win or Lose." Do what? Do win or lose. Do win or lose. D e r w i n or lose. Derwin. Yeah. What does that mean? Dare. Dad in Derwin College. What college I went to? He's oh, clever. He's cleverer than than either of us combined. <laughs> Do you want a cup of tea, Matt? I'm being asked on my screen. Would you like a cup of tea? Um, I'm, I've got water, I'm herbal, have you got herbal? I can't oh. do caffeine. Wait, no, wait, I think we might have a, chamom <laughs> a chamomile? Chamomile. Chamomile tea on its way. I'll have, I'll have, um, a red bush, please. Um, well, that sounds good, and what would the plot be? <laughs> well, it'd be like, it's the basis of a 007 adventure, yes. taking out a villain called Gold Card. Uh, taking out a villain called Gold Card? Yeah, because he leaves a gold card on his victims. Okay. I'm going to cut you off now, Alan. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. 0344 is the phone number. We've got Matt for a little oh. while. Matt, you are in the middle. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, no. <laughs> a real person. Genuinely a real person. Um, you're in the middle of a school's yeah. tour. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm They're, I'm all, in bed. Bit They're all in bed now. You can say what you want about them. Yeah, no. It's hard work? Hard work, yeah. Tough got, gig? Yeah, two events a day for two weeks. And, yeah, all round England, um, going to schools for eight-year-olds to about 11-year-olds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it funny? I've been Kath have done some um, little talks in, in schools. Isn't it funny when you walk into a primary school, how small everything is? How and small. they all smell the same? Yeah. They, yeah, all, they, they all kind of look... Do you know, the same as when I was at primary school 35 years ago. It's an odd... Yeah, and school dinners that smell the same. Yeah. But also, but that state school, some of these posh private schools, they yeah. like, they're ridiculous. It's like Hogwarts. Right. It's like they've got their own theatres. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 just ridiculous. That's what you're paying for. It, yeah, indeed. <laughs> That's what you're paying for. <laughs> but no, yeah, but today, yeah, I was over in Essex today, and yeah, it's... Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the questions kids ask you about... Well, they just go straight for it, because I, I, I write for adults as well, so you, I'm used to doing grown-up events where yeah. everyone's very polite, and yeah. they, they stroke their chin, and they're just sort of looking very earnest. But with kids, they just... How old are you? How much do you earn? Brilliant. Do you know David Williams? That, that's it. That is brilliant. <laughs> that's the three. Do you know David Williams? No. Well, they say, have you ever met him? And I said, well, I've been in the same room as him a couple of times. But... What was he like? What was he like? <laughs> yeah, he was eating muesli. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, which, which book did Stephen Fry um, read? Um, was it... Was it? Um... Yeah, a, a Boy Called Christmas. He did The Boy Called Christmas, did he? Yes. The audio book of that. That's an incredible uh, yeah. booking. No, incredible. Well, can, I, you, I, I, can you believe no. what's going on for you, at the, you know, with stuff like that? I when can't you believe vocal... any of it. Ian, I, I'm, I'm like someone who's really not a very confident person, and I'm, I'm someone who's quite sort of... In, and I wasn't meant to be doing this. I wasn't meant to do anything, really. I mean, I, 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 I think what it was is I, I can't do a normal job yeah. at all. I did three weeks um, selling printer cartridges... And that that was my career, basically. <laughs> now I also did three weeks in a wine shop. It was always three weeks, yeah. And then I sort of break. Um, but yeah, so I, it was this or nothing. But I, I, I assumed it was going to be nothing because you don't, you know, it's not a sensible plan to think. Oh, as my day job, I'll just go and write write books. Yeah, it's not a very, you know. Um, but yeah, it's somehow after sort of ten years of hard work, it's it's turning around and it's really good. But yeah, it all feels a bit so. Sort of... How did you find out that Stephen Fry was going to read? The... Did you get a phone call saying yeah. we've got him? It's it, it, <sighs> he said yes. Well, you know, Stephen Fry. It was interesting because that was a Twitter thing. Because right. originally um, he'd read uh, Reasons to Stay Alive. Yeah, and it was because obviously he talks a lot about mental health and stuff, and um, so he'd said some nice words about that. And I've got, um, yeah, my publisher, the person who runs the publishing company, he's he's quite sort of, he's quite rock and roll and he just sort of goes through it and asks, shoots for the stars. And yeah, remarkably, wow. Stephen Fry said yes. And Stephen Fry is one of those people that we kind of take for granted. We're so yeah. familiar with Stephen Fry. But he, yeah, he put such effort in. He was in there for four days. You know, every word he, you know, feels it. And it, it's, a, it's a lovely thing. I have done voiceovers, right? Well, you, you do an hour, two hours tops, right? Doing two hours for Cats Make You Laugh Out Loud is torture. I can't imagine. It must be... Uh, here, here comes the tea. Thank you, Ed. Right, no, Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Um, I can't imagine... How tough it must be to do an audiobook. I know you're just reading a book out loud, but it's more than that. It must be a tough gig to sit there and do that. I'd imagine so. I did one for Reasons to Stay Alive. I, I did. I had to read my own story. Yeah. Um, and it was it was terrible because I had a really heavy cold and um, I hadn't eaten properly. And the sound engineer was such a perfectionist because it's audiobooks. So I can't have any. Yeah. He could hear your stomach. Yeah, yeah even yeah. even more than radio, I think. Yeah, he could hear my stomach. Yeah. So it, I, I'd be trying to say a word like tumultuous and getting it wrong or something. And he'd say, belly. Got a bit of belly on my <laughs> Got a bit of belly on my lung. And it's just, Those sound booths are completely yeah. unforgiving. And also, I don't think necessarily, I've not, I've not heard you, maybe that your reading was, was, was wonderful. <laughs> Write, but writers are not necessarily the best people no. to read their own no, I'm, works, I, are they? No, I, I definitely would not want to do that. I, 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 even you know in writers' events, you have to do a reading from your book, like even in these school events, it just feels weird. Yeah, you know, just standing there, sometimes with a microphone, and just reading your own words. Yeah, and instantly I can see you get an uncomfortable nerve. Even, even yeah, thinking I am, about it. and I, your voice gets a bit shaky. Yeah, and it's just uncomfortable for people. And uh, and when you see literary events, and people never know when to stop, so they're reading for about ten minutes. 
and it just <laughs> goes on, and every, you know, people are falling asleep. And if you've got any questions for Matt about Christmas, about uh, any of his books, about Reason to Stay Alive, any of that stuff, or you just want to phone up and tell him um, your James Bond spoof stories. <laughs> oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm joined by Matt Haig, um, as as is usually the case. Oh, by the way, midnight, half past midnight. We've got Doctor Hook coming on, Dennis Lecoria. As is often the case, you don't need the headphones, Matt, unless uh, unless you want to wear them. No. Unless we get another caller. <laughs> Normally, when I have a guest on, and I say, "Come on, guys, you can phone up and talk to the guest," the, f- the phone lines will be dead. So don't take it personally. Then when you go. The phones will go mental. Go, oh, that Matt was such a nice guy. But why didn't you phone up and ask him a question? <laughs> for crying out loud! I know for a fact that loads of people, as a result of um, uh, of uh, the last time you were on, actually, a few months ago, um, have bought reasons to stay alive. And it's one of the things that we kind of talk about a lot on this show. Is I've been very open about my mental health, and we had um, uh, the Samaritans on a couple of weeks ago, and mm. lots of people kind of phone in and share their stuff and. Uh, uh, when you wrote that book, I'm guessing you didn't expect it to become... Is Well, it's a worldwide phenomenon, hasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wasn't even going to write the book. I, I was, it was the one book I had to be asked to write. I was scared of writing it. You know, I just wanted to write fiction forever. I didn't want to talk about myself. I didn't want to talk about depression, the sort of worst period of my life. And I had to be sort of nudged into writing it. Then when I did write it, I thought this was just going to be like a little side project. Yeah. And it became, yeah, quite organically, it became a big thing. I just think it hit the right moment Mm. where people were wanting to talk about depression and ready to talk about it. Because it's this this massive thing. I mean, it's horrendous. It can be life-threatening. It's a very, very serious thing. But it's it's a massively common thing. It's Mm. like a one-in-four issue, you know. And... um uh, the, the Samaritans get a call every six seconds. Every six seconds. That's ridiculous. It, it, it's incredible. I. How many languages has it been translated into? I think somewhere near thirty. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even name thirty languages. <laughs> Lithuanian was... was the latest. Wow. Yeah, but... that, and that must be well, yeah, because I, I I thought because people different countries have different attitudes to yeah. mental health. So yeah, that's been the surprise at all kinds of places. Um, are willing to talk about depression, yeah, because we like to think that we're sort of the most sort of advanced and progressive about talking about stuff, but yeah, it seems to be... Did you regret writing it at any point? Yeah, I I I didn't regret writing the book, I regretted putting certain things into it. Right. Um, Like stuff about my parents, like for instance when um, there's one chapter my mum and dad are great generally, they're quite open-minded people but um, when I was ill, I went back to live with my mum and dad and um, I was 24 years old. I didn't want to be back at home. I was back there. We had no money. And um, my dad had been through it because my mum had been sort of like postnatal depression. So she had had stuff in her past. And my dad was just like, um, at one point, he said the words, which is the sort of notorious words you can say. He said, pull yourself together. Wow. And it wasn't doing it in a sort of tough alpha, oh, just pull yourself together, lad. He was just like, he'd run out of things to say. Yeah. He says, you've just got, you know, you've just got to pull yourself together. And he was right. And I, I, I put it in the book. And in the book, it kind of makes sense. But there was a piece, I think I did a um, interview in The Guardian where they pulled out that quote. Right. And then so everyone was saying to my 
my mum, all her friends reading The Guardian, they said, oh, you know, that. So then I had an awkward phone call with my mum. And then I just thought, oh, yeah, it was wrong. But um, no, I, I just, I, I had to write it as honestly as I could. And my mum and dad were great, but I had to just be honest about it. And also my thing is, we're, we're almost scared of what to say now. People yeah. are so scared about... Um, saying the wrong thing to someone and, and what words you can use and mm. I, I've been told off myself about certain words you can't use and it's like I, I think there's a bigger danger in silence in people being scared you know giving someone space we say oh I'm just going to give them space I'm mm. going to leave them be I'm going to give them space and that that can be as dangerous as saying the wrong thing I think so long as you're saying from, from the wrong thing from the right reasons as long as you know you've got people yeah. Who care? Obviously, there's stupid things to say, but I think the, the real danger is just people retreating and not not doing anything. It's tough, isn't it? Because uh, uh, um, uh, and I, I think that, that, that someone needs to. Maybe someone has. Them, I missed it. Uh, the, the the partners and the parents and the kids of people who have got depression, because you're, it is a really tricky thing for them to know what to do do they leave you alone do they come and sit with you do they um carry on as if life is normal do they kind of put their life on hold and and it, it doesn't get mentioned very often how awkward it is for the people around that sick person no absolutely i i, I you know my girlfriend who i'm now married to um at the time was my girlfriend andrea she yeah it, it, was, it was terrible she was 24 years old she suddenly had this boyfriend who was scared to go out of the house, had separation anxiety, had to be with her. And, yeah, for three years, it was an utter nightmare for her. She wasn't a doctor. She wasn't qualified in any of this. And she was suddenly thrown into this mm. world of having to deal with me um, in, a, in a weird sort of long-term kind of way. I think she'd say now that we've become closer because of it. But at the time, yeah, it was hell to sort of go through. And did you not mind... Um you strike me as quite a private person. Did you not mind shining that light so publicly for everyone to see on you know on, on that particular aspect of your life? I don't know. I think when I'm writing, I just sort of forget people are yeah going to read it, and you know because at that point you're not even sending it off. But yeah, it was it was it was scary the moment it became a book a th and, yeah, a and, thing. Events. and the events were just like doing a therapy session with people watching you so it's kind of i wrote a, i wrote a blog about six months before your book came out and you very kindly retweeted it when your book came out about me talking about depression and instantly i regretted it because it got it suddenly got about thirty thousand hits in a week which is a lot for me and then i was getting phone calls from the jeremy vine show saying would you like to come on and talk about depression i went no no <laughs> and i was getting i must have had um about 250 emails from people sharing the most intimate stuff about sons that had killed themselves or, um, you know, what the people, what they were going yes. through at that moment. And I found it really overwhelming and I had no response and I didn't reply to most of them because I had I had no, no response for that. And well, I'm actually you got that yeah. to the power of 10. Yeah, it was particularly bad March this year because I was having another bout of it. I was having anxiety. We'd, we'd sort of moved... We'd, I, I used to live in the north. We moved, moved down to Brighton. So we're in a new house. Everything was new. And I, I just had anxiety again. I felt continually on the verge of a panic attack. And then on top of that, I was getting like 15 lengthy, essay length emails yeah. a day from, the, uh, from people often in a very vulnerable state. And the thing what I get when I get anxious is I get a kind of hypochondria. But it's not always 
thinking I've got a physical illness, it's always like thinking, oh, I'm going to have a mental illness or schizophrenia or yeah. something. So I, I was just getting new symptoms. So it, 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 I had to just, yeah, like you, I just had to stop. Yeah getting back and reading and, yeah you know, just to... it's, it's overwhelming uh we've got we've got um, some calls lined up we'll take a quick break yes. and then um uh, paul greg and rashi will come to you in a minute oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand this is talk radio late night ian lee on air and off the on talk radio we have ways of making you talk oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand put your headphones on please matt the volume control if you follow the cable is at the end of that cable um <clears throat> let's go to paul evening paul Hip, 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 Ian. How are you doing? Hip, hip, hip. Paul, what have you got for us? Um, I'm going to spend a couple of seconds blowing some smoke at both your backsides. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, Bel- our belts are that. loosened, we are ready, and uh, <laughs> bent over the table. Yes, Paul? <laughs> uh, nothing to vent, but um, in all seriousness, I I have um, some experience of, of the kind of issues you guys talk about, yeah. but not personally, um, or not that I'm aware of. Thankfully, um, but I've been um, uh, what's the word? Well, I, uh, away from my mum. Didn't speak to her for for a number of years. Yeah, um, and she's been through sectioning and all sorts. Um, and most family don't speak to her. And uh, and I'll be careful what I say now because she might well be listening. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You, 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 uh, you, um, you say as much or as little as you want. Well, the reason you might be listening is because of um, me taking Matt's book on holiday and your show and the way you do it and the things you talk about um, gave me an insight into actually some of what she may have been going through over the past few years, um, which allowed me to talk to her in a way that allowed her to let me in a little bit. um, To the point that uh, just yesterday... Uh, and bear in mind, this is a lady I've seen three times in the last five, six years, uh, has no contact with my children, bar holidays, um, and that's sort of through mutual consent. It never really works because mm-hmm. of the, the the problems she has. Um, and yesterday, I I took her to an apartment um, that I'd booked for her in Western Supermare, so she could just spend a week being near the sea, um, just getting away from everything. Um and that wouldn't have happened had I not read Matt's book, had I not listened to your show, had I not got some understanding of actually what people <laughs> like you, yeah. sorry, no, 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 you know what you mean. Uh, just get get my head just somewhere near where what you must be going through. I don't claim to understand any of it, but just to get some idea of it allowed me to speak to her in a way that she'd never been spoken to before by any of the family. And uh, it's brought us together. It, it, and again, we're not we're not going to be um, phoning each other every day. Yes, it's not. It's, but, it's not know, suddenly turned into the Waltons. No, no, no. Um, but there's something. There's something, and, and you know, and, and she's she's now probably in Western Supermare, sitting on a balcony on a crappy little apartment, <laughs> looking over the pier, happier than she's been. Oh, for, do you know what? Years. I bet. I bet um, Western Supermare. I bet Brighton as well. I bet in, in, in November. I bet it looks fantastic. I love it when it's alive yeah. and windy and wet. I texted bet- her this morning. Ways. How's it going? I left home at five o'clock this morning. I texted her. How's it going in WSM? She texted me back. 
it's heaven. I'm st- I've been up since half past five. Oh, sorry, she said, I've been up since five, drinking coffee, sat on the balcony, watching the waves crash against the rocks. Oh, that's and that for her is an escape. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken Matt's book on holiday this year well, and if I hadn't got so hooked on your shows and listened to well, all the people ringing in. Paul, you're very kind. I, I, I suggest that... No, it, no, no, it, you're very kind. Well, I, I suggest <laughs> that it may have happened at some point because there was obviously something within... I um, make up, there was obviously something in you that no, wanted no. To, to, to bridge that gap. No, nothing to trigger it, though, Ian. Well, all, all, all I could see was hassle and issues and, and arguments and, and not understanding, and it's the understanding that you guys have given people like me... Um, who might be selfish and self-centred and all the rest of it, get on with their own lives, just go, oh, <laughs> I get it. But one, but one particular point issue, um, Matt's thing in his book about when he went to, he was living with his parents and he went to Paris against yeah. his better judgment. That I was able to say to my mum on a conversation over the phone when she was talking about going to um, her sister's wedding up in York. She couldn't do it. And I said, have you read this book? She said she had read it. And she went and read it again, and she went back, and we talked about that thing about forcing yourself into things you don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did it. Oh, that's amazing. That's mm. nice one, Paul. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing Cheers, that, Paul. Thank you. Take care. And there you, there you go, you see. There you go. <laughs> it is... Um, there's not a lot you can say after, after no. that, is there? It, no, it, uh, it's uh, just... it's kind of humbling. And, and, and I think your book... It just came at just the right time. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of hit just the right time, I think, when when people were ready for something like this, to hear a bloke talking about... I think the hard thing with mental health, generally, most mental illnesses, is they're invisible. Yeah. So I was just trying to... I think talking about it like you do, I think writing about it, making something that's invisible and making it visible or a little bit more visible helps people because it's very easy if someone's in a wheelchair or in crutches to sympathise mm. and to understand but with mental health it's a, it's a different kind of thing um, l- l- the, the Craig and Rashid come to you in a minute let's talk Christmas let's, I, I tell you <laughs> what actually let, I've got some questions from my boys okay are you ready to be destroyed <laughs> oh, you, no. you liberal elitist you <laughs> alright this is um, they all kind of follow a theme hang on a second let's, let's, I don't want this to be too loud I mean, let's try this what uh how long did it take you to write A Boy Calls Christmas? That's from my eldest. Answer the question, Matt. How long did it take you to write A Boy Called Christmas? How long did it take? Well, to write it, it took actually about three months. It's 35,000 words long. It took me three months to write. That's quite quick for me. Third, um, did, you, did you know the story? I'm, I'm going to ask all the questions the kids ask. Mm. Did you know the story? Did you, go, did you kind of wake up and go, oh, I, I've, got this, I've got the story? Or did well, you, well, was no, it just I was an determined, idea? Because I'd written Reasons to Stay Alive, and literally I wrote A Boy Called Christmas straight after Reasons to Stay Alive. Yeah. It's kind of an opposite book in lots of ways. But I wrote it. To, I knew I wanted to just write a book to totally cheer myself up. Yeah. That's totally escapist. So I knew I wanted to write a sort of fantasy book. It's probably a children's book. But my son... My own son, Lucas, when he was six, he said, was Father Christmas ever a boy? Oh, what a great question, isn't it? So, I didn't have the answer. Went on Google. Thought, people haven't done this. So, <laughs> let's, let, let's, this is the story. And, and like, Christmas was always a big thing for me, because, like, I wasn't, like, the happiest teenager in the world, but, you yeah. know, Christmas was always this sort of, like, yeah. 
nice time. You know, people have mixed feelings about Christmas. Christmas was always a great positive thing for me. Um, with, yeah, with this book, it kind of fell into place because you, you, I was just ru- running through the things we think about with Father Christmas. Mm. So you, the sack, the reindeer, the flying around the world. And so it was just sort of like a case of, it was all there and just working out how how to get there and how to explain it. All right, let's go on to the next question. Hello, Matt. How long did it take you to make the book if you made it? Do you, do you mean write write it? No, make it. Do you mean make it? Like make the pages. Stick it all together? Yeah. How long did it take for him to stick it all together? Yeah. Did you ask him that? I already did. Okay. How long did it take you to make the book? That is a very, very good, wise question. <laughs> because, no, it, people always ask about the writing, but that's only like a tiny part of a book, isn't yeah. it? Uh, the actual publishing, the making of a book, and this book especially, because it's got illustrations, and I can't draw. Oh, yes, yes. We'll talk about those in a minute. I mean, this, the illustrations are incredible. So, yeah, it's a guy called Chris Mould who, who does them. And it, 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 because it's a Christmas book, it has to be published at Christmas time. Yeah. So I finished writing in about March, April. They need the book ready for June. So he had to do about 60 illustrations in about a month, um, which is really fast going. Um, and, and yeah, the thing before I was a writer, I didn't realise how long it took for a book to be made. I'm just showing some pictures to the periscope yes. while you're talking. Go for it. Um, yeah, but it, take, it takes really long. I mean, I, 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 it's not unusual for a writer to send off a book for the publisher to agree to make the book, I mean, it's over two years before it hits the shop. So when you're in your sort of local bookshop or Smiths or whatever, and you're seeing books, they were written like three years ago. Mm. You know, that's the new ones. So um, yeah, it takes a long time. Who's the guy that did the uh, does the, the illustrations? He's a guy called Chris Mould. How, how did you get hooked up with him? Uh, that, they just gave me a long, long list of potential illustrators. We also needed someone. We obviously needed someone good, but we needed someone who could work fast. And he he's amazing. He's, he's speed just, was the he's just, yeah. We just say, can you do 60 by, you know, end of April? No, but he, 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 he just draws all the time. He's one of those people. There's yeah. a few illustrators. Who, they just do it. You know, they hardly even think about it. They've just got the sketchbook all the time. The, I mean, they're brilliant. I'm looking at um, uh, the, the map to the far north, and it's just... Yeah, I mean, no. that's just wonderful, isn't it? Who is it, so Qu- is it Quentin it. Blake? Yes. Who used to... Was it, is that, yes. yes. It, it, there's kind of a touch of that about him. Yeah. That kind of timeless... Um, timeless illustrations, and it's it's one of those books as well. When you, just, honestly, the, the the most fu- the fun we had last year, Matt, reading this with the boys all in one bed, and me sat there, and every night they go, "Is there a picture? Not on this page, I'm afraid. <laughs> Is there a picture? Yeah, have a look at." Then they just pour over the picture for a bit, yeah. and then hand the book back and get back into to me reading it. It's just a joy. Yeah, there's more in go. I'm thinking it was writing the sequel. We're writing and. Um- the girl who said Christmas was the fact that I knew he'd be illustrating it. Yeah. So I was sort of writing scenes. Now, I, I asked him, I phoned him and asked him, could you draw um, reindeers crashing into Buckingham Palace? Would that be okay? And Queen Victoria in bed, you know. Uh, and so I, I was constantly testing Spoiler him. alert, guys. Yeah. Sorry, no, we should have not, said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, he, he's amazing. And but the sort of nicest salt of the earth guy. We'll, we'll talk about the, uh, the girl who saved Christmas in a second. Uh, 0344-499-1000. Craig Rashid, I'll come <clears> to you after this. This is Talk Radio. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 
Um, we've got we've got Matt Haig here for a little bit uh, longer, although you look shattered because yeah. you've, you've had a long day. It was five o'clock. Five o'clock start this morning. <laughs> what time are you up tomorrow? Um, I'm all right, actually. Eight o'clock, so I'm the, fine. The, the, let's make sure we definitely get the plugs in for the new book. It's The Girl, Agel, The Girl. The Girl Who Saved Christmas. The Girl Who Saved Christmas, available right. from... Where's the best place... Where, where do you get more money from for pe- oh, if people buy your books? Oh, that depends. But real, real world bookshops, yeah, definitely. The real world bookshops. So either independent bookshops, Waterstones, those sort of places. Okay, yeah. but it's, it's available everywhere. I have a copy, and I've not read it. I've not even looked at it. I, I flicked through it, but I've not read it because I'm quite funny about Christmassy things, mm. and I, I love Christmas. I don't think it can come too early, but Christmas kind of starts for me in December. Yeah. Although when no. I, I came home at the week last weekend and the boys were watching Home Alone, the first yeah. one, which was my uh, mum gets so cross about people. Like she 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 phoned me yesterday, and and she'd seen someone on her street with a Christmas tree. Uh, and admittedly, <laughs> it is very early, but she's just so, you know, she's like anything before fifteenth of December. Is <laughs> oh, criminal I, lo- offense. I love it. Bring it on. But also, <laughs> I like I like to savour it, and I mm. you know, d- December is when I think we're going to start getting Christmas books out and start reading things like that. Um, put your headphones on. Let's go to um, Craig. Hello, Craig. Hello, Ian. Hey, Craig. How you doing, man? Hello, Matt. I'm good. Hello, Craig. Okay. What you got for us, Craig? Um, yeah, another one that praises both of you, I'm afraid. Uh-oh. Um, I got into Matt's book because of the interview you did with him. Yeah. And all the stuff that you do with mental health issues is great. Um, I'm, ha- I'm halfway through it. I'm literally at the bit where the girlfriend has asked him to go to Paris... And he's explaining his decision-making. Or I should say, you're explaining it as I'm speaking directly to you. Yeah. Um, So I've I've cheated a bit. I've got the audio book from uh, Audible and also the Kindle. Okay. Put them both together. So so are you listening to me read it with my heavy cold? (laughs) Yeah. Reading the book. Can you hear his stomach rumbling? (laughs) Craig, oh, my so sniffles. <laughs> that's good. That's good. He does sound like Greg Davis, so it's quite nice. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like Greg Davis is reading to me. Do you find it weird that we're talking about you like this? Yeah, we're, we're especially the... like that bit, you know, yeah. the, the sort of Paris bit, like because that was a, a bit. I almost felt embarrassed writing because yeah. you know, I sort of like go into a fetal ball because I'm so scared of going to Paris. It's so ridiculous. I forced myself to go, but at that point, I was scared of going to the corner shop. So yeah, I was writing a very, very personal personal stuff i always find it kind of surreal but i I suppose i'm getting used to it but yeah it's nice but weird yeah but no it's lovely it's lovely hearing things like that craig did you have a question or shall i rudely cut you off and send you off into the ether no just thanks and i'm looking forward to how it turns out a bit of a spoiler already but he he dies at the end he dies (laughs) (laughs) craig listen thank you very much you the, the the description of going to the shops as well to the corner shop is just um is you know when you kind of have a bit of a panic attack in yeah, the show, it's, it's I, I, I totally identified uh, with that. Rashid, Ian, how I, you doing? I'm Matt, good, thank you, you Rashid. You're right. Very well, thanks. Yeah, yeah um, isn't it amazing the way uh, the other guy he was uh, informed about mental illness and became uh, empathetic with uh, mental illness from from reading the book. But um, what I want to reflect on is when I was, I've had I think I've had anxiety since I was a kid. And obviously then we didn't have Google and all that. But I used to, when I was a small kid, things used to seem very far away sometimes. Like the TV, you know, the room used to seem like very vast all of a sudden. And my, my breathing used to uh, get out of control. 
and my heart used to beat. And I was about seven, eight years old, and I didn't know what, what it was until Google came around. Dr. Google. To, Dr. Google yeah. yeah, I started to uh, look at, and I realised I've had anxiety all them years. But when I was a teenager, I had massive panic attacks, and I still get it every now and again. And how but, do you uh, how do you deal with it, Rashi? When you, do you do you know it's coming on? Yeah, but you know, I researched the symptoms and. I came to terms with it's, it's, it's a passing thing. It's going to pass. Because when you don't know about it, it's, it's fear of the unknown. So that makes you more panicky. But what's happening to me? But when I realise it's a phys- phys- physical thing, yeah. that it, it will pass, that helps me a lot. And it also helped me reading other people's stories. That, yeah. You know, when you're at that age, you're a young person, you're in your teens or whatever, just to find out other people are going through it. I think, I think that's know. something very wise that you said there about I think it's a physical thing. Uh, and, yeah. and to actually realise it's not the end of the world, it just is a symptom, it makes you feel like it's the end of the world. I think panic attacks is one of the things that I've got better at dealing with over the years. Like, I often feel like I'm on the verge of a panic attack. I'm just like, I used to be so scared of it, and then it builds up and builds up, and you pace around. But actually, the thing to do with panic attacks is actually say, okay, I'm having a panic attack, let it yeah. in, what's the worst that can happen? So, yeah, I think yeah. that's very... Well, I had, a, I had a bit of a tipping point uh, a few years back, because I'm very irritable... I don't know if that's part of it as well. Very, very irritable. And I got married, and my wife's nephew was about eight years old, and he was calling me as I was going up the stairs, and his voice was irritating me. And I turned around, and I snapped at him. I said, what do you want? And his face. Yeah. And then he went to, he went to my wife, and he goes, what's, what's wrong with Uncle Rashid? One minute is like this, and one minute is like that. And that really hit me in my heart. I heard him saying it. And from that moment... I made a conscious effort not to take it well, out. Well, sometimes, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you, one needs a, a a moment like that to kind of catch yourself, and uh, you know, I've I've snapped at my kids and instantly regretted it, and and you know, Rashid, you're a good man. Thank you for calling uh, in. Ian, I got a question. Yeah, go on. What's what's one of his favourite things to be alive? Does it? Oh, shall I shall I ask him? Please. Okay. Uh, Rashi wants to know, Matt, what's one of your favourite things to be alive? Oh, like a, a real serious thing, or like uh, peanut butter and marmite on toast. A real serious thing or something frivolous? One of each, please. One of each, please, Matt. I do like, I do like um, peanut butter and marmite on toast and a glass of white wine. Pervert. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a good combination, both salty things go together. Marmite, yeah, but the peanut butter, no thanks. What, in any context? No, in any, no, although I did have a peanut butter milkshake. You know, you get these, these, all these shake shacks and shake yeah, away and or, shake, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. everywhere. And my boy had a, a peanut butter milkshake and I had some, even though I hate peanut butter, it was delicious. Mm. But that's the only context in which oh, no. I will allow uh, peanut butter yeah, to oh, exist. Dear. Ian, honestly. Uh, I, it was going so how, well. How are we going to get, get <laughs> past this? Um, and, oh, well, I think, you know, on, on a very serious level, if you're actually seriously ill, if you're depressed of things, uh, the th- thing I, I find now is, A, knowing you're not going to s- stay like that forever. Yeah. You know, states of mind, it's like the weather. You you will It may last a month or two months or whatever, but you will not feel like that forever. So you owe it to all those future selves and all those unknown and those possibilities. But I think, and it's cheesy, but, you know, it's people, isn't it? It's not necessarily the people you have around you at that second, but everyone you're going to know in the future, everyone you're going to care about, any kids you may or may not have, any relationships you may or may not form, you know, it's just other people. Uh, You mentioned mum. Is Mm. mum still still around, mum? 
Um, yeah, my mum's still around. She must be so proud that um, her boy's a, an author. She must be proud because that's that's the kind of thing that mums love. Well, I don't know if you I don't know if you read Matt's latest book. Here's a review in the Guardian. She must be proud. Oh of that. yeah, she is totally one of those. I can actually see like like she has like Christmas parties and things, and when it's someone who's never met me before but knows my mum, they just sort of look at me like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here, here he is. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Even in our forties, our mums can still be um, treat us as yeah. though we're nine years old. We've come home with a good school report. Oh, good for her! <laughs> it's well deserved. Um, so the girl who saved Christmas mm-hmm. uh, continuation continuation of the story p- runs parallel. What there was, yeah, it's continuation. So it, it's it's um, moved on to Victorian England. So I've got Charles Dickens in there. I've got Beautiful. Queen Victoria in there. Um, and it's so, yeah, when Father Christmas is fully grown and, you know, fat belly and, uh, grey beard, um, yeah, it's the first girl who receives presents, Amelia. She's the girl who, um, saved Christmas. Um, that's out now and is, uh, uh, honestly, I cannot recommend those. I've, I've not read that book, but I haven't. I know it's going to be a corker because the first one, The Boy Called Christmas, which is, which is, you can still also get, is just, you know, magical in the in the truest sense of the word. Uh, what's next? Where, where, what do you do? Have you have you got an idea? Are you are you you've been writing? I've seen you on Twitter. You've been writing. Yeah, no, I've I've just written a novel for grown up people. I know you're writing a book because you tweet a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you do. I do honestly. Yeah, people think you know. Uh, I, weirdly, I write more tweets when I'm writing more book. So um, yeah, I, I I do tweet. A lot, don't I? It's too, yes. too much. Uh, I think I tweet more than you do, don't I? I think you do tweet more than me, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's saying that's something. saying something. But, um, yeah, we're sort of like tweet buddies, aren't yes. we? But, um, that's, how we, that's how we got in touch, wasn't it, on, on Twitter, I, I, I guess? I, yeah. So yeah. something good has come out of that cesspit. Exactly. Yeah. Vileness. <laughs> Are you allowed to tell us anything about this book, or is it top yeah, secret? No, yeah, I can. Um, it's going to be called How to Stop Time, and it's about a man who's 400 years old, oh. and he looks um, our age, and he, he's just ageing very, very slowly. So he he he, he looks. <laughs> he, he's four hundred years old. Yeah. He he looks an ordinary person, and he's a history teacher. So he's a history teacher who is history. Oh, this sounds fantastic. I completely misunderstood the humans. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this when I oh, met you. You didn't I, think it was science fiction. You thought it was. A... I thought it was. It was a, a metaphor. So it's this guy who's yeah. replaced by an alien, and he doesn't understand. Doesn't understand why his wife is beautiful. And he doesn't understand how relationships work or how jobs work or any of this um, because he's an alien. But I thought it was a metaphor for a man who'd had a breakdown. He'd had a complete and utter breakdown and was basically rebuilding himself from scratch. And you went, oh, no, no, he's an alien. (laughs) (laughs) I completely You're kind of right. You're kind of right because it is about, it's kind of about me. It's about me, like what getting over depression feels like. But um, he's an alien. He's an alien. Yeah, and like my my publisher was like, "Oh no, just make it like he's, he's in a mental hospital and he, he's had a breakdown and he thinks he's an alien." And I thought, well, you know, just if if you're doing it, um, you know, that's been done a lot. So let's let's just go for it. He is an actual alien, and you can still take stuff out of that. Yeah, you don't have to actually believe that aliens are among us. But yeah, so I I just thought, yeah, go the whole hog. There's a brilliant program on Radio Four, and I know you know about this, where um. They have a host and two guests, and they each bring a book mm. to read and talk about. And I love it. I love it. It's just, it's so slow and so gentle, and people often disagree on there. And they had 
the humans on there a couple of weeks. I think it was Terry Christian. I can't remember mm. who else was on there talking about the humans. Did you, could, could you listen? To, did you listen to that? Or did yeah. you make yourself stay away from the radio while it was on? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't. Terry Christian was a bit funny <laughs> about it. They liked it. They liked it. I think, it. It I think they liked good. it. I mean, Terry Christian's a bit funny about everything. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Terry true. Christian. But I think they liked yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, it was good. It, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it still feels weird. It still feels like they're not talking about yeah. you, you know, or your book. It just feels like it's talking about someone else. Um, yeah, I sort of wince, but I kind of listen. It's like... And you mentioned the, the, the reviews. I, I imagine you are like, mate, I can have, um, you know, a hundred comments on Twitter and 99 of them will say, you're fantastic, it was brilliant, loved it, hilarious. Mm. And then one that will say, oh, you you're, are a, yeah. you're a terrible human being and you deserve to die. And that's the one that I'm going, oh, God, what did I do? How, how can I yeah, change that? I, yeah. I imagine you're, you're, the, you're yeah. similar. It's like the piece of grit in my shoe, isn't it? You just concentrate on that mm. one thing. Um, yeah, no, totally. I'm, honestly, social media, there's been times when I've just thought... What's the point? You know, just deactivate the Twitter account, deactivate Facebook. We're not happier just staring down. Yeah, it's awful. Phones walking around, just arguing with strangers about anything. You know, Donald Trump or whatever it is that day. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. But then, you know, good things. Us too. You know, that's a. That's this a is good happening thing. because of Twitter. So that's exactly. something. That's something. And I uh, and like I, I think honestly, with um, depression and things like that, people. People have made good friendships and they can talk openly. Like, if you're not comfortable talking to your mum and dad or your partner about things mm. or your friends, you can go online and talk to strangers about it. And that, that can be good. But, yeah, that's a flip side. I think we're all starting to learn the flip side of the internet. Right? Yes, uh, fascism can win. On that exactly. bombshell. <laughs> on that happy bombshell. Wow. Matt, it's so nice to see you. Thanks for yes. coming in. No, you too, Ian. Uh, that was lovely. A Boy Called Christmas, The Girl Who Saved Christmas, and Matt Haig, H-A-I-G. If you look... What, is that your Twitter handle as well? Uh, with a one at the end of it there's uh, another Matt Haig who, who drives um, JCBs um, you, you go and Google and, and type his name into Amazon and, and, and every book that comes up is an absolute winner thank you so much for coming in thanks Ian last thank few you. days of the, the school yes, tour you can do I this I still don't have norovirus so I'm, I'm in the home you know it'll be the last day <laughs> that you'll get home and your body will just yeah no, the first event we had someone projectile vomited <laughs> Well, just be careful of Ed when you walk past him on the way out. He often does that. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The show continues. You can call him with your usual nonsense. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Talk Radio. That was nice, wasn't it? I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. We've got another guest coming on at half past twelve. We've got Dennis the Courier from uh, Doctor Hook coming on to tell us about how his tour's going, and we'll just have a chat about. Anything you fancy. The next hour and a half, though, it's up to you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Here's a message from the Haters Club, dedicated to.
such a twisted state of bliss Indulging in such hatefulness is the telephone number. Now, regular listeners will be aware that I don't really watch television anymore um, because it's I, I, I find it quite tedious and, and, and I watch it, I watch tend to watch if I'm going to watch anything, I watch Netflix or I'm trying to catch up on all the DVDs I've bought over the years and never watched. Um, but Catherine and I have kind of got in a habit of, of, of switching on the TV at about nine o'clock before the show, just to take our mind off the show, but we've got, we'll sit and watch whatever's on TV. And tonight, I saw... Well, they might as well have just televised a series of car crashes, because it was horrific and ugly and brutal, and I couldn't take my eyes off it. Honestly, I've I've never seen it. It was um, called Married at First Sight. Have you seen? Are you aware of this program? Are you aware of this program? It is the most insane show I've ever seen in my life. I remember about ten years ago, a radio station in Birmingham, I think did a thing where they got two listeners who'd never met to get married. I'm sure I remember that being a stump. Two listeners who'd never met rocked up at the radio station one day and then they got married. That happened in Birmingham, I think it was. Um, Well, it, it would appear that this whole concept has been turned into a television show. And what they've done... 
to make it look like a social experiment instead of um, an exploitative, trashy TV show, is they've shot it, so it's all shot, so it looks like it's shot on nice film. And it's all done very classy. It's all very classy. And it's and it's lovely, colourful shots, and it's all beautifully done. But basically, it's 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 potentially the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So the premise, for those of you who've missed it, who are listening to James Whale, is... Um, I, 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 I guess that, that, they, that they put their details into a computer, and the computer, or a series of experts, picks a, ma- picks a match out of the... Uh, well, I guess there must be quite a number of people that have applied to be on this show. They must have quite a significant pool. Imagine if they only had four blokes and four girls applied. They'd go, blimey, what she... Anyway, they rock up at the church. The, the, the man goes to the church and stands at the front. And the first time he sees the woman he's going to marry is when the... Dun, 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 and she walks down the aisle. And he turns around and that's who he's going to marry. And it's not done for religious purposes. It's done... I'm Well, all of the men were... were what do they call men babies? They were men babies. There was one guy, and I won't say who, but there was one guy who was definitely gay. Definitely gay. Not there's anything wrong with that. Um, I, I, but he was obviously doing it to try and prove to himself he's not gay. Um, and uh, they they so they get married. Then they go on a honeymoon, and then they live with each other for a month. And if at the end of the month they decide it doesn't work, the marriage gets annulled. Uh, 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 or at the end of the month, well, I I guess they you know they stick together until it inevitably falls apart. It just. I've only listen. I've only seen about twenty five minutes of one episode, and, and and then Matt came in towards the end, and so we, we we started talking. So I don't quite know how it works or, or 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 how it ends. But if you've seen it, by the way, usual rules apply. Sorry, I should have said that. You can call in about anything. I'm just going to sit here and, and I'll go to Dana in a minute. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You can call in about anything. You can call in about what I spoke to, to talking to Matt Books. You can talk about this. You can talk about anything you want. You know that. The, the the one rule we have, just going off on a tangent. Indulge me for a second. The one rule we have, you can't call in about Trump. And I like this as a rule. You can't call in about Trump. Or Brexit, unless you have something completely original to say. And I don't normally, I was thinking about this today, I don't normally apply rules or or, or limits on what you can say. You can call in about anything. You want to call in and say the show is um, uh, a load of our rubbish. You can do that, right? But I, I was thinking about this today, after Barry's call last night, not Barry from Watford, Barry from Grumpford, who called in, um, he wanted to, he claimed he had something unique to say about Donald Trump that has, has not been, he had a point that had been missed in the discussion so far, and he didn't, 
it was a crappy wordplay backed up with a, a, an arsey attitude and he was upset that actually loads of people phoned say what he said. So, I'm going to make a rule. Let's see how this rule goes, OK? I'm going to, I'm just going to, and if you want to phone up and disagree with the rule, 0344 499 between about now and the next half an hour, the phone lines go a bit quiet. So now's an excellent time to call. So the rule is, you are not allowed to call in about um, Trump. You are not allowed to call in about Brexit unless, unless you have something completely new and original that has been missed from the discussion so far. Okay? Okay? Now, think about it. Think about it. Because maybe you have got something that hasn't been said on any of the hours of phone-ins. By the way, if you don't like this, you can write an open letter to me. Did you see um, Scott tweeted? I'm going to write... You know this open letter thing is... uh, uh, I'll tell you about it later off air. But the punchline, the denouement was Scott tweeting, I'm going to write an open letter to Roberto Peroni. (laughs) Um, You can't call in about Trump. You can't call in about Brexit unless you have something completely new and original that has not been said on any phony radio show before. You think, you're, think you can do it? I bet you can't. I bet you can't. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Uh Going back to the... Ah, yeah, the weird marriage programme. Um, I mean, I watched it, and I, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed is the wrong word. It, I got the same pleasure from watching it Exactly the same level of pleasure as I do when I'm stuck in traffic on the the M4 for 25 minutes. It's moving really slowly, and then you get to the to the the end of the traffic, and you see there's a massive car crash on the other side of the road, and everyone slowed down to look at it. I get the same pleasure from realizing it's a car crash and looking at the car crash and going, "Oh bloody hell! How did anyone get out of that?" And then driving on that I got from watching that program. Do you, and when I say pleasure. I'm, 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 you know, that word is not necessarily the correct word. It was just a remarkable watch. And um, I must be getting old, guys. I must be getting old because I was sat there watching this, this, this uh, married, marriage at first sight and thinking... Oh, this is terrible. TV really has sunk to a new... I used to present the 11 o'clock show, and I'm saying that TV sunk to a new low. Outrageous! I can never read the bottom of your thing, and I have no way of scrolling. You need to condense your um, brief messages, Catherine, into two lines, three maximum. 0344 499 is the telephone number. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Let's go to um, Dana. Evening, Dana. Hip, hip, hip. What kind of cake? Lemon drizzle gay cake. Lemon drizzle gay cake. We are, of course, happy on this show to um, be behind lemons, drizzles and indeed gays. Oh, what a combination. I just need to say, wasn't Matt great? <clears throat> uh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? What a nice... I, I, I want him to be my friend. 
Yeah, I just thought, and, and, and everyone on Periscope was loving him. And I think he's going to get so many more book sales now, I tell oh, you. Honestly, so uh, they're, they're, buying. They're, they're all a joy. And the Christmas ones, they're not, I, I was reluctant to call them children's books because they are, but they're not. You know, it's like they're just good old-fashioned um, tales and they're well worth... What was Caddick talking about? People couldn't see us on Periscope. I, I don't know, because, again, we were all sort of reacting to it, saying, well, I can see, I can see. Was he punking me? Was it like... Because it's now a thing, isn't it? Ever since that UKIP guy who did... Um, you, you saw that UKIP guy who did a, a, a talk on Periscope and everyone started going, we can't hear you. Yeah. And, 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 and they could. And that that's now a thing, is people go, oh, well, we can't hear you, we can't hear you. I get, I get it. But, um... I... 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 I, I, I can't understand the Caddick saying he couldn't see no. us. See, I, I, you know, I was going to say, open your eyes, Caddick, but I mean that in a nice way, obviously. And I'm I, tempted, I to him I'm tempted Dana, to, 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 to call him a bellend, but that may be, that may be a little harsh. I don't know. Oh, I, I, a, a couple of things. Yes. Um, I went to my interview today. Oh, yeah, how did that go? I got the job. Hey, that's all right, <laughs> isn't it? Brilliant. I'm so pleased. Oh, fantastic. So, Good news. When do you start? Yeah. Uh, well, I got an induction at the beginning of December, so sometime at the beginning oh, of December. Mate, well then you're you're in Easy Street because you know you've got the job, and yeah. now you've got like what two, three weeks to enjoy this not working. It. That's it, a bit, bit of relaxing, and it's it's only part time. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, nine till six in the morning. Oh bloody hell! So good luck, good luck. Oh god, blimey, night shift. I just have to do a lot of podcasting. You and Nick Abbott. Yes. Um, uh, who? Who? I've never I've heard of the guy. <laughs> What? <laughs> um, oh, that's brilliant news, Dana. But, Congratulations. But well really done. Really pleased. And it means it, that gives me the rest of the week to mess around trying to do the creative right. stuff there I'm trying go. to do. Yeah, so. you know, and, that, and, that's, and that's what it's all about. You know, this yeah, is, this is, we've all, we've all um, you know, all, all creative people have taken crappy jobs um, or, you know, jobs that they weren't particularly keen on doing, but it's allowed them, it's just bought them a little bit of breathing space so that we can focus on, on stuff that we do want to oh, do. Be, yeah. But yesterday I was in Uxbridge, because I was at Pinewood. Oh, God, Uxbridge, and... I'm sorry. Again, you should have popped in and seen Scott. <laughs> well, no, well, that, that's what I was just going to say, because I... Because of the trains, I was too late to get the free shuttle bus to Pinewood, oh. which is the last one's at 11 o'clock. Yeah. So I managed to look up where I can get a bus, yeah. and I was walking through, and suddenly I saw... Uh, but is it balcony shirt? Balcony shirt, sh- something like that. Yes, balcony yeah. shirts. Yes. And I, st- I actually stood outside, took a photograph, oh. and I was so tempted <laughs> to walk in. I, know, I must have. Yeah. If anyone had seen me, I actually took a photograph. Scott, and- your shop's it- become a tourist attraction. <laughs> And in, and this week when I write my blog, it's going to get a mention in there. Um, but funny. I, 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 but I wanted, I really wanted to go in a to say. I've seen the inside of your shop on Periscope when Ian's yeah. Periscoped it. But B, could you tell me where I need to wear the bus stop is? <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a bit cheeky, no, so I didn't. He would have, Scott would have loved that. He is an ambassador. He is, uh, he is, well, he's the official. He's the mayor of Uxbridge. Uh, and he's always happy to give um, oh. tourist information. Well, next time, but I found the bus and I got to got to Pinewood and I was uh, fitted with all kinds of prosthetics. Oh. It looked like I'd had an accident, oh. and it was so much fun. So, what were you um, doing? What were you doing at Pinewood? What was your? Uh, what? I was basically I was being a, I was just be, being a model yeah. for um, makeup students. Oh, and I basically spent the day just having prosthetics like wounds and cuts put on me. <laughs> and I hope you I, got some brilliant pictures. I have. I have, have you got a picture re- of your of your your throat slit open? 
No, oh, yeah, that'll be the next one, hopefully. But I've got some nice ones. I'll, I'll, I'll send you one. What um, fun those guys must have uh, oh, when they're practising yeah. at home on their mums and their brothers <laughs> and their sisters. <laughs> yeah. and all. Yeah, what a joy. Can I practise? No, I'm watching the telly. You ain't got to move. I just want to cut your throat open. But it, it was. It's so it's so much fun. And, uh, yeah, I had a great time. But, yes, I did pass the shop, and I did stand there taking a picture and just oh, standing there looking at it thinking... Wow! This is this is where um, so many disappointments have been born. Yeah. And my friend did say to me, she said, "You're sounding like an Ian Lee stalker." Yeah. I'm not honest. That does sound that does sound weird. I'm going to have to cut you off now because you're weird. Thank there you. There we go. <clears throat> what are you doing? Tea. What, what's going on here? Tea. Unbelievable! You just saw the back of his head, uh, did periscopers? Did you notice the bald spot? I did. Uh, periscope, what's that? Oh, I should say you can watch. The show. We don't do it every night. We do it most nights. Oh, panicking now. It's on the back. It's on the crown. There we go. Uh, <laughs> we do it most nights. Um, where I stream uh, the show from my um, telephone. If you follow me, I don't know how you follow me on Periscope. I think I'm at Ian Lee on Periscope, like I am on Twitter. If you follow me... Um, when I find an interesting person to watch on Periscope, as I occasionally do, I'll let you know. And Catherine and I, um, had great fun. I thought, because I'm, yeah, I'm following a woman in North Korea. And so every now and then, I'll get a ding, and it will say, this woman in North Korea is streaming Periscope. Because I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit obsessed with North Korea. And, um, she's normally in a car with a mate driving very fast right and she, i think she's the only person that periscopes in north korea suspicious you better believe it anyway i thought that she'd come on but she hadn't she instead had recommended to her followers that we watch these couple of guys in russia and I think I'm not. I, I th- think I don't know if they were Korean or not. I don't know. They were certainly of Asian origin. I, I, I make up they were Korean because this woman who, who is in North Korea had kind of put, you know, onto it. It was the funniest, funniest thing. It was two pissed up Korean guys. One of them looked like an Asian caddick singing rap songs in a mix of Russian and English, and then. Um, one was playing a saucepan. Oh, it was funny. It was funny. I mean, proper laugh out loud, just roaring with laughter. Um, so if, if, what I'm saying is you won't get that tonight on this show, but if you want to watch a, uh, an overweight beardy man talking into a microphone, periscope.com forward slash Ian Lee. Let's go to um, 0344-499-1000. Let's go to Dirk. Hello. This is uh, Dirk from the Netherlands. Oh, this is Dirk. Yes, yes. I spoke to you on uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, you... Ah, this is Dirk. Yes. Dirk, what was your last name, Dirk? Van der Water. Huh? Van der Water. This is Dirk Van der Water from... Whereabouts are you from? I'm from uh, the, uh, Rotterdam. And it could be Rotterdam or Amsterdam, anywhere. No, I'm from uh, Rotterdam. Okay. And um, you were not, going not to... Amsterdam. I'm from near there, but Rotterdam. And you were going to to Dudley? I not, I've not gone. I've um, 
had trouble. I got the they say evicted from my hostel. Yes, but it was it's very strange place. Why did you get evicted? No, we we all we all got evicted from there. Um, oh, why? I I don't know. It it was not nice. There was no bed. I was sleeping in a sleeping bag and on floor. Yeah. Um, with the only like a very large Romanian family. Yes. Uh, they all stay there. Very nice. But um, Dirk, Dirk, could you do me a favour? What we like to do? You you don't listen to the show very often, do you? Uh, yes, I, I listened ah, uh, well, yesterday. Then you'll you'll know we have a tradition in this country. Whenever we have a visitor from abroad um, who is in the country, they have to be in the country, phoning up um, a British radio station, we like to ask them to sing their story. I no, I um, my English, I can't really. Well, sing. you can sing it in Dutch if you want. Uh, I know I don't want to sing. Hello. It's it's a tradition we have in this country, Dirk. Oh yeah, uh, I I don't know what to sing. You you put me on. Sing. Spot. Why don't you sing about being turfed out of? Uh, sorry, um, asked to leave your hostel. Uh, um. Okay, I I. Sing maybe maybe poem. In your own time. Okay, yes, yes. I was sleeping in my wee wee smelling sleeping bags. Yes, I was. Alongside my friends from Romania. And then... I woke to my Dobbins kicks. I, I, I struggle with this song, Ian, please. It is, uh... You did very well. You did very, very well. Yes, I lost, I lost the uh, translation. Yes, um, no, you did, uh, you did very, very well. Yes, thank you, Ian. Thank you. I'm going to make sure um, I listen to... What are you doing for the rest of the week, Dirk? I need to find somewhere to stay. Currently, I'm staying in a shed. Okay. Which is it's nice. It's nice. It's okay for now. Very friendly person let me stay there. Okay. Well, that's that's great news. I'm I'm going to cut you off now. You going to cut? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the show works, guys. That 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 that's that's pretty much how. Um, how the show works. Oh three, four 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 nine nine one thousand is the uh, telephone number. We've had no uh, n- no takers, uppers of the offers to um, phone in with an original line on Brexit or Trump. I tell you why, because it can't be done. The, the worst thing to come out of Trump being elected is um, not that the, the young men will think it's acceptable to say I go around grabbing women by the pussy. Um, but he's killed British phone in radio, hasn't he? he? Even now, you know, nearly nearly a week after the event, it's still all people are talking about is Trump. How do you, how do you think, uh, 
How do you think Trump being elected president is going to affect Britain? Call me now. Should Nigel Farage be... The, let a phone in the, should Nigel Farage be the British ambassador? An ambassador? Farage, an ambassador? I can't believe... Honestly, there are some people who think he should be an ambassador. I think he should be put in a box and chucked into the sea. That's what I think. I joke, of course. Um, so I don't think there is anything original to say. It, it proved me wrong. I know there are... I know Barry's listening. Good evening, Barry. And I know there are a series of hardcore um, speech-based radio enthusiasts who are uh, uh, furious that this show is seemingly flippant and frivolous when the, we should be um, discussing all kinds of things. Literally, the theme of the show is up to you. You can call in about what you want. Just if it's Brexit or Trump, it's got to be a new thought that no one has said on a phone-in show before. Otherwise, what's the point, really? What's the point of it? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio is back. Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Did anyone actually see the supermoon last night? Because it was cloudy. Um, it was cloudy everywhere. Did you see it? I was looking forward to seeing it. I saw it briefly on Sunday as I was driving to Luton. Um, and I was going along the M40 for a bit. And it was it was right in front of me. It was massive. This was about four o'clock. And it was, it was, it was massive. Um, and then I didn't see it again. Didn't see it at all last night. Um, and it's supposed to be out there tonight as well. But I, I couldn't see anything when I came in. It's um, cloudy as. And uh, my friend Watco, who lives up north, phoned me and he said he could see a little bit of it, but not really very much because it's too cloudy. So... We don't actually have any evidence that this supermoon exists, do we? We don't have any uh, 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 evidence to back up that this thing is actually real. I don't think the supermoon is real. I think it's all a lie. The papers have gone nuts about it. The spec. This is by Abigail O'Leary. The spectacular. Once-in-a-lifetime supermoon lived up to its name last night as these stunning shots show. Well, it's not really, actually. It's, I mean... It's... The astonishing pictures of the moon at the closest it's been to Earth since 1948. Now, when they say the moon is the closest it's been to Earth... You know how much closer it is to the Earth? Anyone? Anyone know? Anyone know, guys? Ed's making in miles. Ed, give me, give me a guess. How how close? How much closer do you think the Moon is to the Earth when it's a supermoon? We finish at one o'clock. About five thousand miles. If I had to take a guess. Okay, interesting, Catherine. How many miles do you think it is? Two hundred thousand. No, a hundred. I mean, that's it. 
It's a hundred miles closer. Oh. It's a hundred miles closer. That's it. I think. Have I got that wrong? I think I've got that right. It, yeah, it's only like a hundred miles, so it's nothing. I mean, and I think it's like a million miles away from the Earth. I don't know. It's only a hundred miles. The view from some parts of Britain was obscured. But the light broke through the clouds to cast a picturesque glow over Northumberland. So you had to be in Northumberland. So it, was it 200,000 miles away? Is that what you're saying? You, typing stuff on the screen is, is without any context is confusing, so I don't, I don't know what, what that number is. Other vo- photos show landmarks such as the Statue of Liberty set against a stunning lunar backdrop. As it's also a full moon, the satellite appears 14% larger and 30% brighter than normal. Space agency NASA described it as beautiful. I mean, really? Is that the best they can do? Weren't, um... Have I got this right? 0344 499 Weren't China talking about blowing up the moon? Wasn't that a thing? I genuinely, I, I, this isn't me being flippant. I am sure... Dear listener, one of you will know. I'm sure there was talk in the 90s of China blowing up the moon. They were going to blow up the moon just to show that they... I'm sure of it. That's not even a joke. That's not even a joke. Someone listening must know that. Honestly, I, I, I swear that's a true story. Or a very, very vivid dream. It was one of the two. Here we go. Hackers. You know hackers... Let's read this. Hackers have stolen more than 8 million account details from Britons on the world's biggest adult dating and swingers site. Now, uh, hackers are brilliant, right? Because they can can hack into Talk Talk. That lad hacked into... They can... um, There's the other lad that that was going to be extradited to America and he hacked into loads of different things. Um, and they hack into all these things, and sometimes they hack into like Sony PlayStation. Remember, they hacked into Sony and they release like um, films and stuff, right? And they call themselves hacktivists, and they say that they're there to, um, you know, to do good and stuff. Why don't they hack into ISIS, or why don't they hack into like, um, like Putin? Why don't they hack into the bad guys? They're too scared to hack into Putin. Imagine hacking into Putin. You would, you'd be terrified. Oh, you would, you, yeah, hack into America because you can know you can just go. Oh no, don't extradite me. Oh no, don't extradite me because I might kill myself. No, don't. Well, you shouldn't have done it. You know, hack into Putin, guys. You think you're tough? Hack into that. Hack into Russia. Hack to vision straight into China. You wouldn't dare. Instead, they spend their time hacking into swingers' sites. Oh, jeez. What good does that do? More than 412 million friend finder networks have fallen victim to the world's largest ever data breach. The hack has exposed, oh, cheeky, Members' email addresses, passwords, dates of last visits, browser information, and other things. The US, the US-owned firm runs AdultFriendFinder.co.uk, which says 
Search for adult friends, swingers, <laughs> swingers. Oh God, I I can't I, I I cannot think of anyone I would least less least like to have sex with than a swinger. One night stands, casual sex. I don't. These are all saying the same thing: adult chat and local sex. Local sex. There we go. Who wants to Who wants to travel for sex? I want local sex. Although passwords were encrypted, um, hacking site leaked source managed to crack 99%. One UK member, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. One UK member, a 37-year-old father of two from Ghoul, East Yorks, said, I joined after I separated from my wife. I was having a tough time. Thought it'd be an easy way to fulfil my needs without committing. I love local sex. I didn't meet anyone through it, but it's worrying to think my information's now available to others. Members who pay up to £15 a month can detail highly personal sexual preferences. Um... It's estimated of 8.6 million UK accounts, stretching back 20 years, 3 million are active. Okay. Um, it also runs penthouse.com and stripshow.com. What happens there? Vice President and Senior Counsel Diana Balu said, Fran Fander has received a number of reports, reg- I can't do her voice, regarding potential security vulnerabilities. While a number of these claims proved to be false extortion attempts, we did identify and fix a vulnerability related to the ability to access source code through an injection vulnerability. What? She's literally just put as many abilities in there as possible. Let's just listen to that again. We did identify and fix a vulnerability related to the ability to access source code through an injection vulnerability. WTF? If you're following this, you, you got one ahead of me. <laughs> um, the incident, the second in two years. This shows what idiots these hackers are, right? Is the biggest. Do you know what the biggest hack was? Um, this is the biggest in two years. So the biggest hack previous to this was in 2013. The incident, the second in two years, is the biggest since the 2013 leak of 359 million MySpace users' details. In 2013, you absolute prunes! If you go to MySpace, it's like walking through a graveyard! It's like a ghost town! They've not got my MySpace login. Good. I'll buy off them because I don't know what my MySpace login is. I haven't got a clue. I've literally not signed into MySpace for 12 years. Um, last year. <laughs> last year. 03444991000. Carla, come to you in a second. Last year, 3.9 million adult friend finder members had details linked, leaked, including those who told the site to delete accounts. Of those, 
27,000 were UK-based, with one woman to 16 men. 0344 499 This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Let's go to Kyle. Evening, Kyle. Evening, boss. You all right? I'm all right. Thank you very much indeed. What you got for us? Cool. Well, a couple of bits, really. Uh, I was just listening to your uh, your piece you've just done about the uh, the app being um, hacked or whatever. Yes. Um, you did a woman's voice. You said, oh, I can't do that. But before that, yes. you did another accent. Now, you're a very talented voiceover man. I've heard you, you know, when cats do the daftest things. Yeah, yes. But Have a look accent... at this cat. He thinks he's about to jump on a wall. But if you watch out, oh, there he goes. New series, new say, series of that coming soon. As I say, you're clearly talented, but, you, but your accents veer over the place. They so, really do. What do you mean? Well, what I can't. What was the accent you did for that piece you've just read? Um, you went up and down the country by the M6. Right, you do an accent then, apart from the silly one you're doing now. What? Well, well, you've got to give me something to. Well, all right. How about this? What accent do you want me to try and do? Uh, New, New, New York, New York Bronx. Well, I can't do New York Bronx. Oh, oh, I got a minute. What accent do you want me to do? New York Bronx. Oh, I can't do New York Bronx. What are you talking about? I can't do that. What are you talking about? See, what was that accent? Yours. There's nothing like me. There's nothing like me. <laughs> oh, you're great big nana. Oh, right. Anyway. Ooh, I could I'm crush just... a grape. No, I'm not a Steve Bloody Francis, I, am I? I could wrestle an action man. <sighs> I could ride a My Little Pony. That was one that he didn't use very often, but he did use it. <laughs> He did use it. Anywhere in 2010... Anywhere in 2010... Chinese to blow up the moon. Chinese to blow up the moon. I'm right! The Chinese were going to blow up the moon, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were going to do it to destroy uh, America's agriculture. Can I just say, thanks, Catherine, for giving me the funny look. I know what that look means. That look means, oh, why are you doing a little piece like that just to get calls by making up nonsense? It was a true story. I was right. Apology accepted. So tell us about the Chinese, Kyle, and why they were going to um, blow up the moon. Do the accent. Don't! No, it's a bit racist. It says, uh, obviously I'm skipping through it, Chinese astrophysicist yep. Chang Wang. Chang Wang! Chang Wang! Chang Wang! Uh, the moon's strong gravitational pull. Isn't that what, yeah. um, isn't that what um, Wayne used to say in Wayne's World when he, when he had an erection? Chang Wang! Wang! I oh, know he said swing, didn't he? Swing. Uh, not, not Chang Wang. No. No. But no, that's it. Basically, they oh. said they're going to. Uh, they bottled it. They bottled it. Well, yeah, they're going to send nuclear warships to take out the moon. China it was China. Yeah. If you, China, if you're listening, China. Blow up the moon if you dare, China. You wouldn't dare. You cowards. Are you offering China out on your radio show? Totally, mate. Why not? Let's think... Oh. We've got to think big. So, yes, right. I'm asking China to step outside. Oh, do you want me to hold the car, or...? You can hold cha- my Chang Wang. Lovely. I think, that, I think that was it, unless you got to mock my accent again. Yep, I'm going to cut you off. Oh, three, four, four. 499-1000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. 
Um, you call about anything. Half past twelve, Dennis LeCorrier from Doctor Hook is coming on. Always, uh, always a joy to speak to him. He's in the middle of the tour. I went and saw him at uh, the, uh, Dr. Hook at the uh, St. Albans Arena. The St. Albans Arena. And um, oh, it was absolutely brilliant. It, it's brilliant. I don't get the musical snobbery anymore. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to the monkeys, so I had to defend myself against many attacks from musical snobs. Um, uh, 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 and if it's good music, it's good music. That's it. That's it, really. And it was it was a cracking show. He's coming on um, at half past twelve, and also this evening I book, I've been umming and ahhing for ages, but I've relented. Friday, May the nineteenth, I won't be here, guys. I'm going to be seeing the Beach Boys at the Royal Albert Hall with my two sons. Um, crap seats, right? It don't matter. They're only thirty five quid each. Rubbish seats, way up in the gods. Can't really see anything. Doesn't matter because um, let's be honest they may never get a chance to see the Beach Boys ever again, really. And we're way, way, way up high in a restricted view. And they'll, they'll probably get bored. It will be a really long show. So, I'm, you know, if they don't want to stick around to the end, they haven't got to stick around to the end. But um, I, I, I finally relented and I booked those tickets. Faraz! Yes, yes, what's going on, mate? I'm doing a radio show. What's going on with you? I'm not much for you. I'm just on Periscope, and someone just uh, told me to call in because I, I run my own clothing brand, and I thought, what? you know what, let's go for it and let's see what comes out of it, really. Let's, <laughs> let's see, Faraz, what let's comes see, out of see. it. How did you... So do you know who I am? Not really, to be honest. I'm just... I'm I'm a bit baffled at the minute, to be honest. <laughs> I'm a bit baffled, you, you know, and this is my job. How did you dis- yeah. How did you stumble across me on Periscope? Well, basically, it's one of my social media platforms that I use Sorry? to promote the brand, really. H- hang on a minute, hang and on a minute. Some... You've, you've, you've been yeah. on a media training course, haven't you? No, not really. I started marketing, actually, so I'm quite good with my social media, etc. But, yeah, but I don't, the thing, don't, don't say social media platform. That's what the BBC say, cause, and, and they're silly for not saying it. Just say, you know, online or on, on Twitter or on Periscope or yeah, something. Yeah, no, no, Periscope, yeah, yeah. yeah Periscope, Periscope, yeah. That's yeah, what that's I'm what, talking about. That's it, mate. That's it. That is it for us. So you, <laughs> so, so how did, so, so someone sent yeah. you a message saying, come and watch this guy? Yeah, and that's it. Just call in. Who's, who sent you? About... No, but hang on a minute. So they sent you the message to, to, to join them on Periscope? Yeah, to, to call you basically and to talk about the clothing. Well, hang stuff. on. So are so you, I'm hang on a minute. You know what? Let's go back a bit. Yeah. Are you watching yeah. on Periscope? I'm not watching you guys on Periscope, but someone was watching me and asked me to phone you guys. You this know? is insane. So I'm, I'm so on my own Periscope right now. <laughs> what the hell? So yep, you're, you're not watching? You're not watching this Periscope? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I've been like watched by someone else, to, and that person told right, me to right, call you guys. Right, right. Hang on a second. Yeah. All right. So Periscope. <laughs> I'm going to watch you. Periscope TV. What? What do I type in after that to watch you on Periscope? Okay, Barbara Frizz. Barbara Frizz. How do you spell that? So Barber. Well, how do you spell that? Are you saying are you saying Barber or Barber? Barber that cuts hair. Barber. Barber. I think you could have been saying Barber. Barber. No, Barber. Sorry, that's a London accent, I guess. F R I Z. F R I Z. Yeah, Barber Frizz. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to see your face, man, and if you're ugly, you're getting cut off. 
Frizz, F R I Z. Hey! Yes, mate, what's going on? Yeah, Barbara Frizz. <laughs> talk, talk to yourself, Raz. Yeah, that's it. I'm talking to myself, I can hear myself. I'm echoing right now. Ah. Uh, yes, mate, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> Okay, I'm a, I'm I'm a bit delayed, myself, aren't I? I it's not really live. I'm echoing right now. <laughs> hey, am I still talking to myself? Yeah. Yes, yes, shout out to myself, shout out to Barbara Fritz, shout out to okay, all, I'm my, a, I'm a bit delayed, all my people from North West London. Hey, hey, gang, gang, gang. <laughs> hey, everyone go follow right, this clothing, RISK clothing, go follow yes, that yes, guy. Yes, shout out to myself, shout out to Barbara Fritz, shout out to all my, all my people from North West London. Hey, hey, gang, gang, gang. This is funny. This is hey, funny. everyone go follow his clothing. R-I-Z-K clothing. Go follow that, guys. Am I just speaking to myself right now? This is mad. Hey, this is funny. This is funny. And also, guys, yeah, also, guys, you see the hat that I'm wearing on Periscope right now? Am I just speaking to myself right now? And also, guys, yeah, also, guys, Next you see one. the hat that I'm wearing on Periscope right now? That's from Risk Clothing, so sure RISK Clothing. Risk TV on YouTube right that. now. The Go new, follow Risk Clothing. Like, out now, new photo shoot. YouTube series is going to come out soon, next month. So make sure you subscribe to You've got TV right. on YouTube. You've got five viewers. Faraz, you've got five viewers. Five viewers? On my Perry. You've got five viewers. I've got 20 now, 23. It says on my screen, you've got five viewers. I've got 23 on my one now. Right, I'm, I'm refreshing. Okay. You've got 23. I mean, how many okay. hats are you going to sell Yeah. talking to 23 people? Uh, you know what? Yeah, to be honest, to me, it's not about uh, quantity. It's more about quality and what type of people <laughs> I'd like to approach. Because Faraz, Faraz. Yeah, go on. Go on, tell me, bro. Faraz, you're fired. Am I fired? Oh, I don't, are you if, Lord Sugar now? Yeah? If, I was, sugar, yeah? if I was Lord Sugar, right, and you came in and said, it's not about quantity, it's about quality, I say, you can shove quality right up your jacksy, Faraz. You're fired. No, but then, I, but uh, listen. Then I'll tell you. Well, the last episode I showed you that I was a great leader, and we won the challenge as well because of my sales and my uh, expertise. You know, so I, I think I deserve one more chance to see if I can prove myself in the next challenge. You didn't enough. sell. You were the worst seller this week. You made your team seventy-five p. Seventy-five p. Yeah, but the other team had a loss. Yeah, they but you, but you, but but they did it with style. They did it with style, but they got sacked in style as well. At least I didn't get sacked, and I hold my own, you know. Yeah, and that's the point. You were too busy holding your own and not selling to others. Faraz, enough of the back chat. You got a smooth yeah. beard. You got your hat on back to front. You got a chunky knit jumper. You got a chunky gold chain. You're fired. Silver, silver, mate. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, I, I doubt it's even that. Faraz, nice to talk to you. Best of luck with the clothes. Bye, then. Take care. Thanks, Take man. care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, let's go to um, Pablo. Hip, hip, hip. He was a nice man, wasn't he? Yeah, it's good. I, I want to buy a hat now. <laughs> he's, a nice, he's a nice hat, you know. I wish him the very best of luck. What you got for us, Pablo? Um, no, really major. Um, 
just um, as a kind of left field swipe at this whole um, election malarkey. Oh, hang on, um, hang on. What are you going to talk about? Well, just the um, the the social media aspect of it. The um, what about like, you talking about Trump? No, 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 no. Brexit indirectly. Well, well. Well, but the, the, Pablo, listen. I'm going to give you the uh, the the space of the news to decide if you actually want to tell me this or not. Okay. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Think about. It. So you got about you got about five minutes to really have a solid, hard think about what you're about to tell me. And if you think it's worth telling me when we come back, we'll listen. And if I come to you, you go actually, and I've thought about it, it's not worth listening. We won't think any less of you. Is that okay? And um, that's that's fine. Okay, it's a deal then. Across the UK, online and on DAB, access all radios. Talk radio, give it some lip. Talk radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We'll find out in a few minutes whether Pablo does have something worth saying. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. There's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road. It's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on Down this road that never seems to end When new adventure lies just around the bend So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style Maybe tomorrow, I'll want to settle down Until tomorrow, the whole world is my home so if you want to join me for a while, just grab your hat, come travel like that's old style. Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. We were speaking to Pablo. He had something he wanted to talk to us about. Um, I gave him the chance to stick 
uh, or quit. Uh, Pablo, what have you decided? It's, it's a bit parky out, isn't it? I've noticed it's getting colder, colder outside. Um, um, I was thinking either a redirection of the observation or I could go for some shameless self-promotion. Well, you can do the observation if you want. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's merely been talked about in connection to current events, but it is something that has been a gripe of mine for a long time, which is the mm-hmm. kind of um, false information things that turn up on Facebook and... and oh, no, well, yeah, that, that was the big story tonight, is that um, um, the, the loads of fake news has been reported as real news on things like Facebook and Twitter. But part of me thinks if you're getting your news from Facebook, then you're an idiot and you deserve well, everything you get. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I kind of fell afoul of this. There was this water filtration thing going about this video showing that uh, tap water and other types of water are just full of murky poisons and only stuff that you buy from a water purifier. That's the only way to go. And and, um, and, and was that sponsored by, I don't know, a water purifier company? Well, it's pretty much, you know, it, it, it's moving into Edmunds territory with some of these uh, technological uh, marvels. It's, it's basically essentially just some sort of electrified oh, God. stick that goes in some water and all it does is it but, agitates all the... Uh, but Pablo, that wasn't reported as news, was it? Well, no, no, it's not uh, completely untrue, and a little bit of research finds that it's actually its origins come from basically door-to-door con artists who would come round and yeah. say, oh, your tap water's all wrong, look, I'll show you. And now it's got in the hands of these, uh, I forget the chap's name, but it's something Wolf or thereabouts on okay. the... Uh, yeah, don't give us any more of his name, just in case it is well, actually no, no, marvellous. Well, self-help guru. And we'll have a, uh, um, but, 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 I don't, hang on, I don't, I'm confused as to how you w- would consider that to have been reported as news. On Facebook? No, no, I just mean it, 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 it's the way it's, like, essentially, people don't necessarily treat it as news and accept it as fact, necessarily. I don't, but do, do people, because I don't take anything I see on Facebook, I don't believe. Well, I think it's, I, I think it's something that, that, that's the way I would go, but I'm finding, I don't know whether it's just a... Uh, as time goes on and people are just so used to interfacing with Facebook or Twitter, where it's like the first thing they do in the morning and the last thing they do at night. And, you know, sometimes you know, if you're reading something, then go off to sleep. I've had yeah. some crazy dreams at falling asleep Ooh. reading a book. So if you're reading something saying that some fella did something which he may or may not have done, what? then, you know, I, I'm um, just giving it general. I had a dream last night that I was in The Apprentice, but I couldn't remember which team I was on. And I was trying to, and there was one, wasn't one, who was the, there was one called Stella Creasy. Stella something, wasn't it? What was her last name? I can't remember her last name. But in the dream, I kept, uh, Stella English, oh, okay. Um, in my, in the dream, I was trying to phone her up because she knew what team I was on. Is that come from Facebook? Um, I don't know. Are you, are you following uh, my, The Apprentice on My on whole... My, you know, I'm this week I'm trying to be... Um, to, to not post negativity on, on, on Twitter, right? I'm going to do it to the end of the show on Friday and see how we get on. And But it doesn't mean I'm going to post kind of fake... You know, I posted a, a morning. Just, morning! And I posted a picture of Record Collector magazine because I bought it and I was excited. But I'm not going to... You know, kind of posts. Hey, this love this cold weather's lovely. I love it. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to, ge- you know, genuinely post positive things when I feel them. When I, when I say not negative things, 
I, I think if I'm feeling ill, I might say I'm feeling ill. What I, what I kind of mean is, I'm not going to post mean things. That's that's it. That's a better way of it. I'm not going to post gonna, mean you're things. You're not going to put out negativity. Well, I, I, per se. I th- I think so, but if I were to wake up and uh, if I were to post, I'm feeling depressed today. Would that, as as a, a, a blunt example, would that be counted as negativity? Well, no, because the best thing you can do with depression or if you're feeling down is to share that, so yeah. people can can help you through it. If you're feeling it, if you know if you're suffering in silence, then that's not okay. the way to go, is it? Uh, so. Okay, that's that's interesting. But I'm certainly not going to post, you know, rude things about people, and I've I've muted. Well, I blocked some people who were being very, I thought, very mean about a friend of mine, and I asked them to keep me out of it, and they sort of obliquely put me in it, and so I, I, I blocked them. I've muted, I've muted quite a few people. Now, dear listener, please don't tweet me asking if I've muted, if you're one of the people that's been muted, because I won't reply to any of them, because that would be unfair. If someone sent me a tweet saying, have I been muted? And I replied and went, no, of course not. Then that would be unfair on if someone who, who had been muted sent me a tweet and I didn't reply to it. So I just, I'm just trying to clear my front garden, my metaphorical share of the sidewalk. Do you know what I mean, Pablo? Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm just trying to take out some of the darkness that is uh, is is in my life that I think I can get rid of, and and that means muting some people who aren't necessarily bad people, but I just you know what what they have to say um, for whatever reason sits uncomfortably with me, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I think sometimes it, but you know, kind of falls back on the same thing. Even if you're not engaging in it, sometimes if you're just seeing this stuff on a day in day yeah. out basis, it yeah. it has an effect on you. So, but th- now loads of people are going to start tweeting me saying, "Oh, have you muted me? Don't, don't play that game because that way madness lies." Pablo, thank you very much. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Ali, hi. Hip hip hip. What's going on? I'm doing a radio show. Yeah, I've just been told to call. Uh, I hear there's a really good topic going on. Yeah, there's a really good topic going on. What would you like to say about the really good topic going on? I have no idea what the topic is. Oh. <laughs> Who told you to call? Uh, one guy was telling me posing could be from your radio, and then I just called. The what? And then I, sorry? What? Someone on Periscope was what? posing could be from your radio station. Oh, there's another one of those, is there? No, it's, it's, it, it, it's, yeah. not, it's not, I'm afraid, Ali. The, the, we, we, don't, we don't tout for business on Periscope, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's fine, but, you know, we can talk anyway. We can. What do you want to talk about? Whatever you want to talk about, let's do the topic. Well, you called in. Um, let's talk about Trump. <laughs> but why do you want... You don't want to talk about Trump, really, do you? No, I can't think of a topic to talk well, about. No, exactly, and that... And thank you, Ali, because that sentence there sums up the state of British phone-in radio. You don't, want, you don't want to talk about Trump... But you can't think of anything else to talk about. And that's what all the producers and all the presenters and all the speech-based radio stations have, have been thinking for the last five days. I don't want to talk about Trump. I can't think of anything else to say. There's loads of other things to talk about. What did you do um, What did you do this weekend, Ali? The weekend just gone. I was just um, doing a couple of essays for my uni. And how did, that, how did they go? 
You know, then fine, you know, it wasn't too bad. What are you studying at uni? I'm studying primary education at the moment. Here we go, beautiful. Pri- so what, teaching yeah. primary school kids, yeah? Yeah, hopefully yeah. after two, three years. Okay, well, and, and, and I'm imagining... Um, is there an a specific age you want to teach them or a specific subject you want to teach them? Well, in primary school, the one teacher teaches right. mostly everything. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, you know, for IT, you have different teachers. But generally speaking, maths, English, science, a lot. Um, I want to teach, you know, year threes to year six. Why, um, why primary school? Um, the reason being that um, after, you know, research, I found out that there's a high demand for um, male primary school teachers. Yeah, it's true. You know, um, there's plenty of males in secondary schools. And one thing I kind of realised is that primary school students and secondary school students have a different mindset with regards to respect to the teacher as well. Yeah. And it's at primary school when they develop these things, you know, if they mess about a lot in primary school, you know, they'll end up with a bad bunch in secondary school. So what I wanted to do is, um, you know, work with them as well while they're in primary school so that when they are ready for secondary school, you know, um, they're not with that bad crowd. You can teach my kids. With an attitude like that, you can teach my kids, definitely. <laughs> I, um, about eight years ago, Ali, um, seven years ago, Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working at another radio station, a radio station that was then called Virgin, and then it became Absolute. And I was only doing one show a week, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I found it very unfulfilling. And I looked at jacking all this in to become a primary school teacher. I mm-hmm. um, I went to uh, an evening, I had an open evening in a primary school, and I went with a, uh, the hall full of men, and they, we were told why... You know, the same thing, that there are hardly any men yeah. in primary schools. And they were really desperate to try and get men to teach in primary schools. And I, I, I went and I filled in all the forms and um, I got in touch with the primary school and I went and sat in with them for a day and I um, sat in on the lesson and I helped the kids make stuff and I went and watched an assembly and I sat in the staff room with the teachers and all of this stuff for a whole day. And I was really up for it. And, and I had to get, if I was going to do it, I had to get the forms in, I think, by the end of August, and I had to have done, like, five da- five more days or four more days of sitting in and helping out and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, it was a male headmaster, and he was really, really keen. And then, as I was I was weighing it up, I was li- really weighing it up, um, I found out, we found out that um, we were going to have our first baby, and I got offered from do- going one night a week on the radio station to four nights a week or fi- four nights a week on the radio station. So, oh, it was a, wow. so it was a lot more money. And I thought at the time, now with a baby on the way, is not the time to take a massive pay cut. Because what, what's the, the starting salary is like 24000 or something? Yeah, around that. Yeah. Um, and I would have earned, I was earning quite a bit more do- if, if, when I went to four shows a week. But, Ali, but, 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 there is a part of me that when this, um, when this, this nonsense ends, when this silly career that I've got, working on the radio and dicking about on the TV comes to an end, which it will do, it'll come to an end, right? It can't, it can't sustain itself forever. Um, Correct. then, um, I'm go- I, w- I want to go back and be a primary school teacher. I want to do it, man. I want to do it. And I want to do it yeah, for, for the it. reasons that you're saying. Wow. Wow. You know what? I've never met anyone that actually had the kind of passion that I've got, basically. 
everyone's just in it or they want to make money you know they're doing it for money obviously we're all doing it for money i don't know yeah you, know, you got money, you, you want you want to yeah. eat you want to buy clothes you want a nice yeah. place to live there's no shame in that of course of course but like what i've realized is no one cares anymore about the youth no one wants to sit with them no one wants to work with them they just want to shove them all in a youth center and then that's it how, um, how far are you down your studies ali when are you, when are you going to graduate and when are you going to become a teacher Okay, so I've got, uh, I'm in second year now, I've got one more left. Yeah. I might do like a placement year for more experience, and then that's it. So I'll say about another two years left. I wish you the very best of luck, man. We need more teachers like you. You'll, you'll do a great job, you'll do a great job. Thank you very much. Best of luck, Ali, thanks for calling, and, and, and call in any time you want, man. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we don't go touting for, for calls on... Um, on Periscope and Twitter, well, with Twitter, I, I kind of tweet and stuff, but 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 th- th- there's a fake um, talk radio account, and I'll, I'll email Periscope in the morning and get it shut down. But thank you. Thanks for getting in touch with Ali and putting him on, because what, what a brilliant call. What a brilliant call. More teachers like that, please. It, 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 I'd be more than happy having him educate my kids with that attitude. It's a tough old job. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed that. Thank you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio is back. Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the uh, telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you're more than welcome to. We'll have Dennis from Doctor Hook on in. Um, in uh, a little bit. I'm sort of going through the papers, but uh, there's not really much going on in the world at the moment. Everything seems to have... um, Everything seems to have sort of ended news-wise. Let's not look in the Daily Mail, actually. It's a hateful paper, isn't it? It's a hateful paper. Um, 0344 499 1000 is the um, telephone number. Um, should you post pics of your kids on Facebook? Yeah, 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 let's do that. I want to play a song as well going into it. So you tell me you tell me what you want to do, guys. You tell me what you want to do. Um, dearie me, dearie me. Oh, the, the, this, the, the, here we go. Here we go. So the Daily Mirror has um, collected all of the. Um, okay, yeah. And then I want to play. I want to play a song when we come out of that. Okay. They've collected all of the Christmas adverts together um, and I, because I don't really watch TV. I'm not really aware of them. I, I, I'm deliberately not watching the John Lewis ad. And I have sat through the Sainsbury's ad. Three minutes and 20 seconds. It's the longest ever ad in UK TV history. It's too long. It's too long. And um, not really um, uh, a fan of it. And all these other... When did that become a news story? That adverts were happening... And they're spending more and more. I I don't I don't get it. 
for me, Chris, Christmas when I was a kid was the Argos catalogue. That was, that was, um, you knew Christmas was coming because you, you're allowed to flick through the Argos catalogue. You go, yeah, I want that. 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 Now it's, um, whenever the bloody John Lewis advert comes on. I don't get it. I don't get how that has become part of our, um, Christmas tradition oh john lewis adverts on nearly christmas and it becomes a big thing i mean it's genius on the part of john lewis that they've managed to um to 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 harness so much hype around an advert as though it's a mini masterpiece speaking of mini masterpieces i've got tickets to go and see their uh, fabulous beasts on saturday saturday two o'clock me and the boys we're gonna go and watch fabulous beasts and uh, i am prepared to be utterly utterly terrified by the whole thing. That's going to be fun. Um, listen, Dennis the Courier from Dr Hook is coming up in a minute. We can play some ads and we'll play a song that he played at his concert that I'd, I'd forgotten about. It's a blinding song. Um, uh, and then we'll talk. If you want to phone up and talk to him, you're more than welcome to. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. A little too much Sometimes I push too hard Trying to see What you will be I lose sight of who you are You're still a young man With the world in your hands To mold any way you choose Your dreaming mind or one of a kind We both want the best for you I just want to see you shine, sun As bright as you can You're an exceptional boy You'll be a hell of a man Whatever you decide to do just give it your best and that'll be fine I just want to see you shine sun want to see my sun shine Be here for you. 
I just want to see you shine, sun, as bright as you can. You're an exceptional boy. You'll be a hell of a man. And whatever you decide to do, just give it your best and that'll be fine. I just want to see you shine, sun, want to see my sun shine. Yes, I just want to see you shine, sun, want to see my sun shine. That'll do, won't it? That'll do. And it's going to go into another song. Look, look how slick I am. I couldn't stop it. That's Dennis LaCorrier. Evening, Dennis. Hello. How are you? I've forgotten about that song. And then you played it at your uh, pop concert the other night. And I was reminded that it's stunning. Yeah, thank you, man. You know, what's really nice about that is that, uh, and really nice that you played it, is because, uh, you know, I'm doing like wall-to-wall popular, well-known songs. Yeah. And I'm sticking that in the middle of the show, just me and a guitar, and people are really asking me about it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not fading in the middle of the hits, and I think that's lovely. It's great. It's a good song. Uh, and you've done some solo albums, but I, I'm, I'm making up that because they were under your name and not under the Dr. Hook banner, yeah. that they didn't sell anywhere near as much as the Dr. Hook oh. stuff. No, 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 no. And, you know, believe me, if I was waiting for that opportunity to come along, yeah. I wouldn't have put out any solo albums. Because, you know, Hook had Hook had the might of CBS, you know, yeah. Sony, and then, and then Capital, EMI. I mean, we had some power. My albums came out on, you know, it might as well have been Dennis Records, you know. I mean. uh, <laughs> and also, do you know, interestingly, I was talking to Francis Rossi the other week, right, and um, yeah. his new album... I think it went in at, like, number six in the charts. And I sort of leant over to him and said, but that's not sold that many these days. He went, records don't sell anything. He wouldn't sell, tell me how much he'd sold, but it was it was less than 20,000 copies he'd sold to get to number six in the charts. Yeah, no, no, I know. Man, I, I tell you what, you have to be doing it for your own reasons yeah. these days. You really do. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to make a little money here. You know, I've probably lost more money on Dr. Hook than I've ever made. So I'd like to make a little of it back here. But believe me, man, if it was just about that, if it was just about that, at this point in my life, you know, being on the road and being away from home, there's not enough money. I have, uh, me, me and Kath came and saw you at St Albans the other day. And uh, uh, it, it, it's not a particularly attractive venue, if I'm completely be honest it's, it's quite square in the, when you're sat in the audience well also they call it an arena yeah, i know expect twenty five thousand <laughs> people to be in there you know and it was like i expected at least a good bullfight or something <laughs> <laughs> but um it was it was a cracking show and since then i've just been g- kind of going i've had a bit of time on the computer i've been going on youtube and looking up you know your baby photos and i've been reading yeah. bits and pieces tell me uh, the story i didn't know right yeah. about how you got the record deal and you were just was it Clive Davis's office you were in and, and what, one of you was banging on boxes and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was pretty much the story. We, you know, the, the producer we had at the time, well, we we did a film. Uh, we did a film with Dustin Hoffman that Shel Silverstein wrote the music for, which yeah. was my impetus for staying around anyway yeah. at that point. 
And the film was on CBS Records, so the soundtrack came out on CBS Records. And so CBS kind of got wind of us. And our producer at the time, you know, had the good sense to get us in the office. And when we went in there, we played. And we played guitars. And, yeah, the drummer used the waist bin as a, you know. And But I'll tell you what. We had no idea uh, who Clive Davis or anybody was. Yeah. I mean, so we were not, we weren't afraid of this guy. I mean, you know, because we were going to go back that night and play in a bar where we might be killed if we didn't know, you know, <laughs> some country music or something. So yeah. we certainly weren't afraid of this guy in a suit, you know, and we just played. We just did it. And. There was something I liked about the spirit. And I have to tell you, man, Clive Davis, you know, later on, he got himself in some trouble for doing just what everybody was doing. I think he appropriated some money for a bar mitzvah party or something, you know. Yeah. And, and But really, if, if you think about it, they were probably gunning for him anyway. They needed him out of there. And, and he was our champion at CBS. I mean, you know, Sylvia's mother came out, and he loved that record. And, and when it first came out, it went to number 99 in the top 100 and fell off. And we celebrated. We went, whoa, number 99. And he worked that record till it was number one. And then Cover a Rolling Stone, which didn't even sound like the same band, he yeah. liked that as well. And even though it said Cocaine Katie and we take all kind of pills, and a lot of major stations in the States didn't want to play it, or the BBC, to tell you the truth, uh, he worked that record to number two. So for me, that was a stand-up guy, you know, and I felt a little bad about rolling his carpets back years later. <laughs> can I can I read you some poetry? Yeah. White ones, black ones, yellow ones, red ones, necrophiliacs looking for dead ones, the greatest of the sadists and the masochists too, screaming, please hit me, I'll hit you. Now, that's, that, I've forgotten about that song as well, and you played that in, at Freaking at the Freaker's Ball. It is filthy, and but it's hilarious. I'll tell you what, just to, just to my credit, and I don't do this a lot, I played it just before Shine Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my two solo numbers. <laughs> it was beautiful. Hey, we, when you talk about a bullfight, am I ready or am I ready? Yeah. <laughs> you no, this... That's brilliant. That's Shel Silverstein, man. Oh, it's, I mean, it's hilarious. What? I've said this to you before. What I love about singing Shell's songs are is that you can recite them and get a response. Yeah. You can read the lyrics to the ballad of Lucy Jordan to someone who's paying attention, and they'll go, damn, does she jump? I mean, you know, yeah. it evokes something in, in people, you know? And that's what I love about it. it, it I, that's what I love, because it's not just playing, you know, saxophone solo. It's There's real lyrics there, you uh, know? Do you, I, I, I make up... Well, no, I don't make up. I can tell you enjoy doing it still, don't you? Because you've got... The, you, I mean, you, you as well as singing the songs and still having the fantastic voice, voice and all of that you know jazz um you're 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 very watchable you're highly watchable do you know what i mean well you know yeah i i do like doing it you know when i'm doing it i like doing it before a tour yeah Ian, before a tour and i mean months before a tour yeah i lay in bed and I, I, you know, you could slip a phone book between me and the mattress, my friend, because yeah. I just hover, okay? And I lay there, and I try to think about the entire tour. 
and and it makes me crazy. I sweat. I say, why am I doing this? I mean, you know, I can't. I'm Isn't not half the man I used to be. Yeah, it's not funny. I, I wrote a poem. I think I told you it in the dressing room, right? And and it exactly sums up everything. And it says, sometimes I feel like a rock star with rivals half my age, and sometimes I feel like a silly old fool leaping around the stage. And I I bet you Mick Jagger thinks that too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, but it's it's just yeah. the thing, man. I, I, I don't like being on the road. I mean, you know, because it's, and I've said this before, and you can't whinge to people who wish they were on the road. Yeah, 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 of course. And living in hotels and have room service, you know. But, you know, I sit in a car. I sit in a hotel. I sit in a dressing room. Then I have two and a half hours to be fabulous. And then I sit the hell down again mm. and that's the road and, and it's, 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 it's very there's very little input and a whole lot of output you know but it's different now because you live here now yeah so you've lived here for years and years and years so i'm guessing most nights you get to go home now as instead not, of not most nights oh, okay but but, but some right. and i'll tell you what my friend not to make it sound like oh this guy's never happy but it's not any easier to come home and get here at 2 a.m yeah. and be surrounded by all my things yeah. and know i'm leaving at 11 to for the next place you yeah. know because when i'm in a hotel if we're leaving at 11 i'm down in the lobby at 10 30 i mean i'm done with this room pal yeah you know you know what i mean and i usually fall asleep uh, you know a little a couple of hours after i get back to the room because i just faint dead away out of sheer boredom but when i'm home i have books i have my dvds and i wind up being up till six and think oh my god i have a show tonight so it's it's just it's just a mindset you know but i really do before a tour i agonize about all of it then of course man you know this you do it every night yeah. you sit there and you go what am i going to talk about what am i going to do and then it's one minute after another and yeah. three hours go by yeah. And it's that's done. what I do. Once I go out there, because I never really plan what I'm going to say to an audience, because what, I'm going to sit on my sofa and write a monologue with my Shecky Green, the yeah. Las Vegas comedian. But I'll, I'll talk. And some of the things I say, I've said somewhere before in another context. Shock horror. But, but it's, it's just whatever it is, man. And so, yeah, to answer long form, to answer your question, while I'm doing it, I really like doing it, but that's two and a half hours a day, man. Yeah. I remember Van Morrison said, if I could do the show and go home, I'd love this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, I, I, here's, here's something I can never quite get a handle on. How big were you in the States? I know you were, you were big over here, and I, I, I get the impression that you were one of those bands that was kind of, you, were, you, you, you had hits in the States, but that you were bigger over here. Is that right? Well, we were probably more exposed here because it was uh, easier to be more exposed by yeah. now you know when you're on tv everybody saw it i mean in america you know you can be a six or a big success on the east coast and nobody on the west coast knows you're breathing it's just big uh, you know i tell people all the time they say to me when are you going to come back and tour in the states and nobody tours in the states unless you're bon jovi yeah. and you're going to do 15 stadiums and go home you play some you know you play a bunch of dates on the east coast then you go out to Texas and play seven dates, then up the Canadian border and maybe into Canada, but nobody just tours the states uh, per, per se, you know, and yeah, no, we sold a lot of records, we, we started to be a staple on 
afternoon talk show television, but there were no real forums yeah. for rock and roll. The midnight special was about it. Uh, is, is, am I correct in thinking you were the, you uh, you introduced Prince on on American TV for the first time? Yeah, we introduced Prince, <laughs> and we also introduced Leo Sayer when he was still wearing that little Harlequin. Oh, he was doing the mime act. Huh? He was doing the mime act, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, we, we we introduced him, but it was great, man. I mean, you know, it's it was nice. It was a good show because everybody was on there, and uh, we we hosted it a couple of times. And uh, you know, I always like doing that stuff. I I don't I don't sweat the the having to talk to people stuff. I yeah. will tell you that you know after the shows, I go out and I meet everybody who cares to queue up and I, I don't want to sound like I'm flattering myself but there's a lot of people in the queue How do you, Dennis, how do you do, because you know I've been doing a few live shows and I stick around afterwards because I kind of think if people have been kind enough to put some money in my pocket then I, at least I can do is stick around and have a photo and shake their hand yeah. and when people say nice things to me about what the show, we had a couple that, that flew over from Dublin to come and see me the right. other day in Luton right. and people say nice things about the show, I don't I never know how to take that and I'm I'm learning to go Thanks very much. That's very kind. Thank you. How do you take it? I, you know, I take it the same way I take the show. I mean, it's the same. I, I think I said this to you just before the show the other night. You know, the, the thing that's been my saving grace through all of this is that I don't become another person to perform. I'm not another person right now. You know what I mean? I don't have to become an Indian chief or a vampire bat to get the point across, you know. And I don't feel like that after the show either. Uh, we've had to, believe it or not, we've had to knock the individual posed photos on the head. Right, too much time. And not just for us, for the venue. Right. The venue's got like 12 people on staff. And yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, and I'm glad handing over there. But but I, I don't mind talking to people, man. I really don't. Um, I'll tell you one thing that kind of bugs me, and it bugs me on a on a, a human level in my particular life, is that, and there's not many. I'm talking about there's maybe been four on this whole tour so far, and we've done 25 shows. Yeah. Uh, people that come up wearing an eye patch. Yeah. And and it's not because I think, oh, they remember the guy with the eye patch. Of course you remember the guy with the eye patch. What bugs me is that the guy with the eye patch was a friend of mine for years, and he lost his eye in a car accident, yeah. a really terrible car accident. And when they come up and want to take a picture with me while they're wearing an eye patch, it makes me feel like I'm making light of his car accident. Mm. So if anybody's listening, it's not a good idea. I'd love to talk to you, but that's not a good idea. It really freaks me out. It makes me really uncomfortable for a guy who's a very dear friend of mine for a long time. It, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned the guy with the eye patch, Ray Sawyer. Right? Yeah. You're, you're the voice of Dr. Hook, and I think it would be fair to say that he was he was kind of the image. The image of the, the cowboy hat and the eye patch was used on a lot of the album covers. Oh, man. I tell you what, when we, when we were just another band on television for three minutes it really helped yeah. that they went you know the band with the ipad yeah i mean it really really did help you know um, y- there's no chance of you guys ever getting back together again no first of all first of all just on the physicality of it ray is 13 years older than me yeah so ray is uh eight, pushing 80 wow and and he's he's broken a hip recently i heard and so i don't you know i don't know he was on the road using the dr hook name for for the longest time and i stayed out of the way because the last thing i wanted to do while he was using it he felt like he needed to use it was be in the battle of dr hook yeah, yeah. I, oh, 
my God, please. I don't, you know, so I stayed out of the way, and, and he, I, I was licensing. I hate to talk about that. I was licensing him the name, and the license ran out at the end of last year. And I thought, you know, I've protected this name for a long time. And when the Timeless album came out in 2014, it really turned the light on for me because it really uh, people started talking to me about just how much this meant in their lives. Yeah. And now, with the passage of time, we're talking about original fans, their kids, and their kids. Mm. You know? And it's hard to dismiss. And I thought, you know, I put out solo albums, I'm struggling to be someone when I actually am someone in some strata, and maybe I could use this for the good, you know? And that doesn't yeah. mean I'll go out and oh, life pipe, you know, save everybody li everybody's lives, but people seem to have a real emotional attachment to this stuff and uh i guess one of my problems the reason i stayed away from it for so long was because for a little while the audience had more of an emotional attachment to it than i felt i did you didn't feel you know connected I mean? with, with your history resent it because if yeah. i didn't sing sylvia's mother i was crap yeah you, you know what i mean and uh, and now with the band i sing sylvia's mother all the harmonies come in i almost forget to sing the lead to hear, you know, so. uh, how many of the original members of Hooker are alive? Because I know a couple have died, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. There's four. You know, there were a couple of members that changed over the years. Uh, John Walters, who was the drummer, mm. uh, was probably my best friend. He passed away some years ago. The bass player, Jance, is gone. Uh, Rod Smarr, who was in the band in later years, but also produced my solo albums with me, he's gone. Oh, uh, Billy Francis, the keyboard player who was there from the very beginning, he, he's gone. And there's a couple, there's a couple of members scattered around. I still talk, I'm in contact with Rick, uh, the guitar player in California. And, uh, and it's nice. It's nice that we're in touch. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like talking to an old army buddy and all you got to do is look in their eyes and you can see the bullets going over their head too. And you go, <laughs> Oh, hi. You know, and it's, uh, so yeah, no, there's not, you know, we, we sustained pretty long. And I'll tell you one thing I'm proud of too, is there were no, there were no rehab stories in Dr. Hook. Yeah. There really wasn't. There was none of that. I mean, we looked like we weren't going to make it through a show. But, you know, you know when people say to me, hey, is it true you guys were high all the time? I'd say yes, and David Bowie was actually from Mars. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's an element to it. I'm not saying we never got stoned. I'm just saying that, you know, the drunk on the high wire, if he was really drunk, he'd do the show once. Uh, there's a nice tweet from Matt from when I was playing um, that song, Shine Sun. It says, this song is making a 41-year-old father well up. Wow. And it's good. And it's a song that I'd heard before. I heard it a few years ago. And it didn't really click with me because I, I didn't have my boys. And, yeah. that, and now I've got my boys. It's, it's a perfect three-and-a-half-minute encapsulation of what you, man, every dad wants. You, the, the nicest thing for me is that I find that the song is adaptable to other people. Yeah. You know, even as much as a woman saying to me, I'm not a dad, but I have a daughter. I feel that way about my daughter. You know, I mean, you can you can let it cross over to the gender, but I like it, man. I mean, I wrote it. I wrote it. I, I, you know, I had a verse and a chorus, and that second verse, uh, a, a fellow in Nashville named Frank Myers helped me write the lyrics to the second verse. And one of the reasons he did is because the second verse is really about being there when they crawl. And I was on the road a lot, and I almost felt like I needed a ringer. You know, how does mm. it feel to be around when your kid's really little? Mm. You know, but but for the most part, the song came from. 
my feelings about my son at the time because, you know, I did travel a lot. And it wasn't, you know, now, man, this Skype and this FaceTime. And, you know, when I was on the road, the early hook, you'd be in Germany and, you know, you'd stop the coach and find a pay phone and hope you had enough coins, German coins, to make a call. And if you did and there was nobody there, you got back on the bus and waited till you find another pay phone. I mean, it's, you know, it's space age now. You can stay in touch. And still, sometimes you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, Dennis, you mentioned, are we allowed to mention the, the, a new album? Well, or is that top secret? Anything, there isn't anything official, but I'm definitely thinking about another Hook album. You know, I don't have it formulated in my head because, you know, right now I'm in the stages of thinking, well, but you want it to count for something. I don't want to just have it be a vanity project to say I did. I'd like somebody to hear it. I'd like really to get back out there. Just the name. I'd just like you to resurge it a little bit and make it the, uh, you know, the respectable thing it it was on the radio. And, you know, it's starting to turn back into a concert concern, which I like. We've been getting, you know, reviews, not only from audiences, but from critics, dare I say it, that are saying, you know, well, this looks like, you know, Hook could be a concert thing. And that's what I want it to be, man. I don't need this to be... I don't need this to be a funeral every night. Yeah. I really don't. If we're just there to smell the flowers and light a candle for who I used to be, then I'm going home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? We, um, uh, uh, me and Kath had such a good night when we were there, and there was a very drunk bloke <laughs> in, in, right next to us. Every, every time a song started, yes! <laughs> Have it! He was loving it! And, yeah, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> Get him out of here! <laughs> thank him for the, for the new album. There's got to be a couple of shell songs that never got, never uh, yeah, got yeah, done. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay. I'm reaching out, I'm reaching out, what? you know, but I would like, like I said, I would like to get get some attention, and you know, uh, just so I, I'm just going to say this, but this, this tour, when it started, it was a little bit like, yeah, does anybody care about this? Does anybody really care yeah. about this? Not just from me, from promoters and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, so I put my put my uh, neck on the line. You paid for we this. Did for you, this. you paid for this tour, really didn't you? Well, to the point where they're talking to me about a UK tour around this time next year, of different dates than we've done, but, you know, a kind of back by popular demand thing. Yeah. And I'm, we're going back to New Zealand and Australia in May. Because uh, the last time we were in both places, it sold out. And, you know, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, well, I mean, you know, I, this is probably the focal point of my life. Yeah. Even when I wasn't doing it, I knew I'd ha- I had, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, I, I feel there's a lot of things in my life right now. Because I'm an angsty kind of guy. And, you know, I, I really, you know, I can get, I can get dark and yeah. But I'm tr- what I'm trying to do now, mostly because I don't have the energy for all that other nonsense, is I'm trying to extrapolate like crazy. I'm trying to look for the good news. And it all comes wrapped in some horrible taste. You know, I, and you've got to go, Ugh. but it's in there. The good news is, is in there. You know, it's just in there. And, and I, I, all I do, all I do when I stress myself out is I make it worse for me, for everybody around me, you know. And so I'm just trying to go, look, this is great, man. This hook thing is cool. I've worked for this. I've protected it. I haven't let myself go. I don't 
waddle out on stage and croak through the songs. <laughs> I've taken it seriously. You know what I mean? I slap myself if I eat too much because I realize people are buying tickets and I'd like them to face forward. Yeah. You know, so I do. I take it seriously. I'm never not going to take take it seriously. That And that's why... I, I'm very careful about what I say yes to, because if I commit to something, oh, I'll do it for 10 years, even if I hate it, because I said yes. Dennis, we're, um, we're, out, we're coming out of time. Oh um, my I, God. Didn't, I didn't want to talk about Hook for the whole, whole thing. I wanted to talk about other stuff, but I, I, I'm genuinely fascinated in, in, in stuff. Um, can I just say, right, yeah. I, I, when, I, when I was growing up, my household, the, the music of my parents was you, and it was Neil Diamond. You... And Neil Diamond, and and uh, I kind of resented that for a long, long time. And I then... kind of resent that it was us and Neil Diamond <laughs> too. If you want to know the truth, and then and then I got it, <laughs> and then I got it, and now I'm a big fan of yours and a big fan of Neil Diamond's. Um, and I, I, it, honestly, it is the weirdest thing that I now consider you to be a friend, you know, a proper actual friend. Yeah, and, yeah, and oh, we yeah. talk and we yeah. message and we you so occasionally we meet up and occasionally we don't. And um, it's just it. You know, it's still a thrill that the the, the guy that was singing, I don't want to age you, man, but the guy that was singing when I was a kid, you know, and making my mum happy and stuff, I've got your phone number, and if I know that if I'm struggling, I can give you a call, and you send me some lovely private messages on Twitter, and you're a a decent man, Dennis. just so you know, just for the record, I would have just called you at 12.30 and talked to you for a half hour, even if you didn't have a radio show. If if I didn't have a radio show, you'd be talking to me for an hour. That's the thing. (laughs) No, you know something, even if I had to talk to a dial tone for a half hour, I would continue. Uh, Dennis, I'm that kind of guy. I'm so pleased the tour is doing well. I, th- there are a few more dates. DennisLaCorriere.com, at Dr. Hook Official, if you want to want to see on Twitter. There are a few more dates. I, th- I think it's sold out, but there might be one or two tickets left. Yeah, no, no. And tell you what, even if it says sold out, do, look, because they, yeah. people go at the last minute and there's two tickets sitting there. Yeah. You know, so just look. Dennis, you know. I-, I love you, man. Thank you, man. Hey, listen, pal, I'm around, and, and there's about another couple of weeks on the tour. we got a long stretch coming up, and maybe I'll talk to you at the well, end. You of will weekend. talk to me at the end of it. Sushi is happening, Dennis. That's it. Ta-ta. Talk Radio. Dial up some dialogue. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking.